Alrighty, hello and welcome to another episode, man. How's it going? I um, I'm glad to be here and I'm very excited for today's conversation, which I'm sure will benefit a lot of you. But, um, you know, it's something which is um, a, a thought that occurs to you when something really weird happens, right? Like uh, this talk about... Of course, now the whole thing about COVID misinformation and the, the vaccine mandate and anti-vaccine and mask stuff. Of course, you must have heard a lot about it. And of course, it's everywhere. It's uh, everyone arguing. And it was someone like Joe Rogan, um, you know, buddy of mine who was inspired after me to do a podcast, uh, was um, in the limelight. I don't know how. Uh, it's something to do with his listeners. Guys, you got to get a hint if um, Mr. Joe's Followers can do that for him. You guys got to do at least even 1% of what they've done. <laughs> I think would be appreciated if you get my drift. So anyway, um, the podcast that was modeled after now. So anyway, so he, he got into a lot of uh, shit for the stuff that his guests ended up talking about and conversations he had about the vaccine and whatnot. But I mean, does it take a pandemic to help us open our eyes about the medical and the healthcare industry and whatnot. And I don't know, I don't want to go down this uh, pretending that I'm an expert. Um, but what it is for me is that I've done something, you know, to kind of correct my way of uh, how I look at medicines, right? It's, I'm not, okay, first of all, let me just put out this disclaimer of sorts. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-pills. Anti I'm not anti-doctors. I don't think that uh, we should sort of have a blanket approach to um, anything with complete negativity or positivity. I think uh, questioning is good. I think having a little bit of doubt is good. But at the same time, man, I'm telling you, um, sitting after a bender with a throbbing headache or sitting after a bender with food with uh, or after a bad foods, you're in a bender because of what not has gone into your stomach. I'm telling you, um, whatever it may you might take, whether it's whether it's drips because you're dehydrated, or whether it's crocin or crocin pain, or Dolo cold or Dolo 650, whatever the medicine is, or oh you had a stomach bug and antibiotics, whatever it may be, it's remarkable how medicines can really get you back on your feet. Now I'm talking about the extreme where medicines are just simply you know you're just given medicines just because it's there and the the other extreme or the dark side of the healthcare industry which is to keep people sick and i'm talking about chronic illness i'm talking about stuff that can cause issues uh, by issues that cause issues it's a never-ending cycle and keeping you medicated for the rest of your life which then causes more complications. Um, and I'm talking about issues that can be corrected um, through choices that you make. Because I know people who have been on medicines for years, 50 years, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, and I never thought about it because it was almost um, bred into me or it was almost, that was the message, right? If you're unwell, take medicines. If you're if you're sick, take medicines. If you have an unhealthy level in your body, whether it's sugar, whether it's cholesterol, um, take a medicine, sort it out, sort your shit out. Don't. And I'm coming kind of from that point of view going, whoa, it almost feels like I wiped the, 
I've taken off the blindfold. Not not literally, fuckers. But I mean, I've uh, kind of been asking questions about this, right? Because I don't suddenly like being dependent on a medicine. Of course, um, you might say people drink. Of course, that is a good thing. And I'm joking. But it's 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 a choice you make, right? And I want to have a choice with what I put into my body. Now, of course, if I choose to put shit, hey, that's my choice. But I... I've really been kind of understanding what why do we just sort of blindly take medicines and why do doctors blindly or rather why do doctors hook you onto medicines right so is it a good thing or a bad thing I don't I as I said I'm not an expert but um it's very interesting how there's an entire generation of people be it adults older people who are suffering from the consequences of these medicines that they've been taking and they've been given um and they're pretty fucked at the end of it, right? They're sitting there, have all these issues, and you don't know what medicines cause what. Like, yeah, okay, cool. You take a, a course of antibiotics for five days. Oh, yeah, great. That itch on your testicles is gone. Uh, but you take it the next five days again because you have, you know, whatever you might have. You might have a viral fever or you might, um, which is, of course, I don't know why you take antibiotics for a viral fever. But anyway, I don't know if that makes sense. But you take it because you have a stomach bug or then you take it for another thing or you take it for, you know, whoever knows what people are doing. The next thing you know, you've, ta- you've taken like six courses of antibiotics in six months. And I don't think that's good for you. And I was reading somewhere, of course, and this has to come up, like in The Guardian, that a lot of people died over the course of 2021, 20. I'm keeping the thoughts very positive on this episode, by the way. Just, just pleasant things like that but it needs to be spoken about and uh, i will not stand for misinformation but 2021 22 a lot of people died because of resistance to antibiotics there's a word to this did you know that yeah you didn't did you so it is a real thing it is not just happening here on the soapy now show it's happening in the world of course it starts here not 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 the misinformation not the disease i'm saying the thoughts the, the change begins here but i want to talk about this i want to talk about why medicines are important when required of course you're sitting there and you're bleeding out i don't think you should be like oh no i should have made choices which are better for myself when i was a teenager be realistic you fucker you're hit by a car don't be like oh i should have done more pilates and i should have jogged more maybe i would have been more agile that way i got to jump out of the car's way no 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 i'm not even talking about that well if you're going to look at it in such high contrast and such black and white um, points of view, then you're probably on the wrong podcast. You should probably get on Arnab Goswami's show where everything is just shouted at. Like if it's if it's AIDS, he shouts at it. If it's COVID, he coaxes it. If it's political parties, he gets on his knees and does things to it. Who knows? Who am I to judge? <laughs> Anyhow, but was that the visual you had as well in your head of Arnab Goswami on his knees and the uh, per certain person in power anyway so but thing is my guest on today's episode is a person who and and there's another aspect to this person but i'll tell you so he's someone who basically took his life into his own hands and he had um quite a lot of medical scares because he was living the corporate dream the dream of jet setting um having you know expense accounts traveling around the world turning around companies, having, you know, a lot of the money shtick, which a lot of people were 
bought into a lot, including us. So we all bought into it. And he had it all. And he lived in the US, lived the American dream, came back to India. And uh, the, the, the American dream followed him. It became the American Indian dream or the Indian American dream, depending on what context or uh, depending on if you're politically correct. And the America comes before the India, the India comes before the America. Who knows? It's a world of opportunities. But he had it all. And uh, one fine day, he felt like crap. His body said, nah. And the doctor said, ah. And something else said, mm. And they said, mm-mm. And someone takes said, take a bunch of medicines for all these problems. And he said, nah, fuck this. Eh, quote, unquote. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to look at what uh, I've learned in my corporate life, which he's a marketing consultant. And uh, sorry, is he a marketing consultant? No, he's a consultant. Sorry, um, Raman, if you're listening to this, you're not a marketing consultant. You're a consultant. So he said, I'm going to approach this problem I have in my life because he's an individual who turns around companies which are going through some issues. He said, why should I not turn around my own life? Yeah, in his own words, you'll hear it very soon. So he took it upon himself to understand what the body and um, all of it, the mechanics, the chemistry, the genetics. So he studied it like a company, like an industry. He went through it all and said, I'm going to revamp and get my life back on track without taking medication. So that's a lot of about what we talk about today. And he's a fount of knowledge when it comes to um, various illnesses, lifestyle, disease, And he's not a self-medicator. He talks about things that you can do which are healthy, like food, lifestyle, diet, um, environment, and um, mental health. All these things that are contributors. Of course, there are a lot more. That's why I talk to him and I don't give you a summary of the guest. That would be a great podcast, right? Guys, I had a great guest. I'm not going to play that for you. But here's a summary in my own words. (laughs) How pissed off would you be? Yeah. Or maybe I should give you a summary and say for the whole conversation subscribe and pay a certain subscription fee wouldn't that be a devious bastardized move on my part maybe i'll do it soon should i do it i don't know let me know you guys are not staying in touch with me i'm very upset but no you can um, rest assured i'm not i don't know what i'm gonna do i'll keep you guys thinking anyhow jokes aside or even possibilities aside uh, Raman Manglorkar is a fantastic human being who's uh, really, really knowledgeable about the various developments in anti-aging, in diabetes care, in all the things that are uh, surrounding these issues and a lot more. Of course, I'm just giving you a little bit of what you can expect um, and how most importantly, just like how he did and how he's continuing to help people after helping himself with um, his new startup that, where he's trying to reverse aging for 100,000 people, uh, I think, if that's not, the, I think it's around 100,000 people, um, 200,000 people maybe, and five years each, so a million years he wants to bring back to people, and um, anti-aging tips, the medications, the procedures out there, but more importantly, just things, practices that you can do to get started. I think it's very nice, uh, nicely put. He's, uh, of course, got a lot of information on it, and all you got to do is sit back and... Um, relax and you can hear it from a person who's actually a success in the corporate industry and not someone who's a person who's an artist like me who's just like no 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 the nine to five the corporate life if you're just kind of putting your life and your health on hold is not going to be good for you in the pursuit of money and success and that entire sort of bullshit that is fed to you you can actually hear how that isn't good for me from a person who's been there done that succeeded at that and said hey you know what my life my health is more important so i'm going to take care of my body my breath my soul and my mind so you can 
tune in, stay tuned rather, and listen to Mr. Raman Manglorkar and I chat about life, about health, about the mind, the body, and a whole lot more. And as always, I appreciate you for tuning in every week and for passing it on, sharing it, and telling everyone in the world it's the best podcast and how Joe Rogan has modeled his podcast after mine. You don't have to say that. That's all. I'm just joking. So thank you and uh, enjoy the conversation. And till next time, goodbye. God bless. Cheers. Mr. Raman Manglorkar, welcome to the Sopi Rao Show. How are you? Thank you very much. Great. Good to be here. Thanks a lot. Lovely. So, well, we um, got onto an introductory call a few days back and that seemed to um, give me so much information. So I'm really excited to share what you have to say to a lot of the people on the podcast, all of them, because I think we all can benefit from someone who's been through your a journey like yours because you were a management consultant you were successful in your field you've done it all you've done the jet setting life living out of suitcases living out of um, expense accounts you've told me all of this and uh, one fine day you've changed it all and you focused on something which we all take for granted and say we'll focus when we retire on our health but you said no no enough of this so what was that moment that made you realize that you need to change your life around yeah so you know, I, I uh, had a typical, you know, sort of, let's say, ambitious career. Uh, you know, after graduating from college, I, you know, as as I mentioned to you earlier, I uh, went on to a consulting career. Uh, I lived in Chicago, actually, pretty much through the, 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 that duration. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I mo- moved back to India and, and uh, you know, continued to live a sort of, let's say, uh, a stressful life with lots of travel and, and uh, lots of responsibilities and so on and so forth. And then, um, you know, so, so I ran a company, uh, did a turnaround at that company. And then once that turnaround was finished, uh, I actually had the first time in my life where I sat back and I looked in the mirror and I reflected on my life and I said, um, you know, what the hell, what are we doing all this for? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you could call it a midlife crisis if you want to, but maybe that's what it was. But right. fundamentally look back and, you know, started to confront your own mortality in some ways you know, your parents are getting older and you sort of look in the mirror and you say, okay, where's all this headed to, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and so, you know, so that was the, let's say, catalyst that got me going in terms of inquiry into uh, my own health and my own journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there onwards, it's just been a, a you know, sort of a journey of learning and, and experimentation and, um, you know, growth, if you will. You know, I want to talk about that. That, of course, is the focus of today's conversation. But before we get there, I want to understand, and maybe from your experience and from all the the work and the people you've helped since the time you started um, focusing on health and understanding how to de-stress your life and understanding the various indicators that help for a healthier uh, way of living. Why, why do you think from all the examples that you've come across and maybe your own example, why are we celebrating this kind of lifestyle, which is the so-called corporate lifestyle, right? Where you are ambitious, you're running after these goals, after money being a primary motivator. And it's it's not one story, right? It's repeated across the world. And of course, there are the examples like you who realize that, hey, what's going on? Why this? Why am I neglecting my primary thing in my life, which is my health, to pursue this so-called dream of success and um, celebrate it as a corporate role model 
And it seems to be repeated across the world. And we, um, as a developing economy, or maybe a country which has an economy which is expanding, we're being fed this, I wouldn't know if lie is the right word, but a pop, uh, an economy which is so big is being told that this is the way forward when it's clearly um, leading to a lot of health and mental health issues. So w- what is it? Like, I mean, wh- why are we consuming yeah. this um this 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 narrative so easily yeah i think a part of it stems from the fact that you know we start off we started off as a poor nation right mm-hmm. uh, and and you know you could sort of bring that down at the family level or you could take it up at the nation level you know mm-hmm. uh, so when you are poor you, you know you are envious of everything that you see around you uh, you want to you know progress you want to progress your life you want to progress help uh, other people around you and you know put them on a better path uh, in terms of you know, the, the, the regular luxuries, if you will, of life. Mm-hmm. And you see the only way of liberating yourself from sort of, let's say, the drudgery or the uh, monotony or, you know, whatever you want to say, uh, call it, uh, you know, is by going out and trying to prove yourself and trying to, you know, do well in life and earning a good income and, you know, uh, building a name for yourself. Um, and to some extent, you know, our identity gets wrapped up in in the successes that we have, right? Yeah. Uh, so as as we get more and more successful, our identity gets wrapped up in that, and then you know, then you're on this con- continuous, let's say, treadmill um, where you're running, running, running just to stand where you are. Um, and there's so much of peer pressure around you. There's so much of uh, uh, you know pressure around you to perform and do well and improve your. Uh, you know, even also help people around you and so on and so forth, right? So mm-hmm. we never actually sit back and reflect and, you know, we're just sort of running, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. In, and, and I think part of that, Sandeep, is, is a definition of the word success, right? So mm. early in life, our parents have fed us, our schools have fed us, our education system has fed us, that uh, the definition of success is being whatever, you know, however you define it. And most often it is to do with something monetary, to do mm. with power, to do with prestige, to do with fame, you know. Very material so, attachments, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Material attachments. And therefore, you just, you're just sort of running on that. You've not had a time to reflect and think about it. Uh, and the more success you get in terms of accomplishing some of those smaller goals, mm. uh, the more ingrained you get into the system. Right. Mm. Uh, and that's a self-perpetuating thing. And then, you know, then you're, you, you, you realize that you're just running and you're in the midst of a rat race. And at the end of the day, you have to realize that, you know, to be in a rat race, you are a rat at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the hole gets stronger, right? As you uh, rise up the ladder of success. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, exactly. It's, it's amazing that, you know, many times, you know, when I, I'll give you context to why I'm going to bring this up, because when we hear these stories of people, giving it up all for a better way, if you want to say a mindful way of living, a healthier way of living. Many times, you know, it's people who are like, you know what, I, I really have decided that I want to do this because I enjoy it. And so, of course, you know, there are the people who have sort of hit peak, like maybe a celebrity going, you know what, I can't do the business anymore. It's got to me. I'm going to retire to an ashram and meditate, right? Or it's someone who's already decided, you know what, the pandemic was a wake up call to say, what am I doing all this for? But many times, successful people taking this call when they have a big flow of money coming in and saying, you know what, enough of this, my health is important. It's I'm not saying it's unheard of, but it is on the rarer side. So after being through this, you've you've seen success. Your your last project was successful. You turned around turned around a company and then sold it for a profit. Of course, 
so on that trot you're typically you know as you said society's message is hey don't don't stop now your your things are good you should you should make more when you know all those things make make hay while the sun shines and all these things that we're fed as you said so what was that for you after um i, I don't know how old you were at that point uh but waking up one day saying wait a minute this is scary like what was that 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 one indicator in your health or the the, the collection of indications in your health that made you so sort of uh make rather take such a drastic decision yeah i mean i think it's a combination of uh, multiple things right uh, mm-hmm. these things don't all happen in isolation in of itself yeah uh, i think the few uh, a couple of uh, pointers for me in my life were that you know my father had been diagnosed with alzheimers Mm-hmm. Uh, and i saw him struggle through the last years of alzheimers and i don't know if you're familiar with uh, people with alzheimers but it is a devastating disease you know uh, it strips but, you away uh, of everything that you've built up in your life right as a person absolutely. as a human being yeah yeah absolutely i mean it it really strips you away from everything and makes you i mean you know really almost inhuman you know i mean you're mm. you're Uh, you've lost all sense of uh, everything around you right and you're completely dependent on somebody else to take care of you in, in every way possible yeah um in including you know your food and everything else right so yeah. so so i saw him struggle through that uh, to the end of his life and um you know and i reflected on his life and and you know he was a successful guy he, you know he was sort of uh, gregarious and outgoing and interacted with people and everything and his whole identity had been completely radically transformed and changed right mm. um so then you know at that stage you confront your own mortality and then i saw myself headed exactly in that same direction may not be in alzheimers maybe in alzheimers because apparently you know there's a hereditary component to it but okay. you know heading down that sort of metabolic uh, journey uh, of ill health mm-hmm. um and so i reflected on that and i said listen where are we all going with all of this stuff right so yeah. you know what can we do about it and uh, you know i had a, a chance to think about that um you know and 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 that's that was actually the catalyst that got me going in addition to that you know uh, i think i mentioned to you earlier that um you know i i went and got a a, a test done and i yeah. saw all my on my blood reports um and the doctor said hey listen you've got you know elevated blood sugar you've got elevated blood pressure your cholesterol levels are out the chart your liver is fried your kidneys are in bad shape your the whole buffet uric acid, <laughs> you know, your uric acid is high you know blah blah this that the other and uh, you know and and then uh, you know and then and then the the doctor said listen for your sugar this is the medicine for your pressure mm-hmm. this is the medicine for your cholesterol this is the medicine for your triglycerides this is it you know and, yeah. and so on and so for the whole litany of pills yeah uh, and so then i reflected and i said what the hell is all this all about you know at yeah. the end of the day and so yeah. for me that was the coming together of my own journey and and deciding that i needed to do something about it which you know i think i think we all have faced that right at some point the uh, facing the doctor and he or she is like yeah you need to get on meds and uh, you know it's so easy to just say okay you know what this is my lot i admit that i have been putting my body through abuse and i mean it might not even be severe abuse like it's it but it's so again like just like how the success story and material attachment and reward uh, system is ingrained in our education system the family narrative the social narrative just like that the medical narrative is so ingrained right if you're not well take medicines if you're Uh, you have high cholesterol get on statins if you're on a certain if, if you have sugar if you have diabetes you get on this it's it's just so programmed in us that we have to go to a doctor if we're not well they have to make us better by giving us medicines so when you are faced with 
a list of medicines and list of levels that are high and you're and you're you're told that this is really really high levels your natural instinct is to freak out right so when you're given all these medicines and your natural instinct is to freak out because of the way you've been conditioned how did you fight that instinct and say no no wait a second i'm going to understand this and going to you know get to the bottom of this because it's my body it's my health and i want to have a solution which is non medicine based yeah so i mean you have to actually think about where the person giving you advice is coming from you know uh-huh. uh, i've always felt that uh, you have to understand their context um, you know because any anybody that tells you something is in the context of their own learnings and their own experiences mm-hmm. so if you look at a doctor uh, i am completely convinced that you know the entire medical profession is actually in the sick care business they're not in the healthcare business right? <laughs> yeah Um, nice yeah nice you know and yeah. uh, essentially what happens is uh, the definition of health today in in the world uh, is the absence of illness uh, which i think is a wrong definition right? mm-hmm. um, and and therefore you know when you go to a doctor uh, the guy tests whether it it passes that definition is there mm-hmm. an illness uh, and if there is an illness then you know i need to treat you um, mm-hmm. you know and 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 therefore they commence a treatment and their entire let's say uh, tool sets that they have the doctors have yeah. is only based on pharmaceutical mechanisms to treat you because that's what they've studied you know through yeah. the course of their entire life that they've actually uh, you know been been studying and and also the experiences that they have right mm-hmm. so you know so the old saying is that if you go to a surgeon you the guy is going to cut you up if you go to a doc, you know what a, a doctor is going to prescribe or she or she is going to prescribe a medical aid i mean if you go to a barber including me who's bald they're going to find a way to cut my hair you know, despite <laughs> yeah. me having no hair right yeah. so you know so 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 you have to understand where they're coming from so once you understand where they're coming from and they're you know to some extent also tied by the fact that there are certain norms medical norms there's certain yeah. standards of care that they have to adhere to and if they don't do that then their license could be at risk right in certain um, countries with the insurance in, is more yeah, in about- certain countries you know and 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 also generally i mean you know if you have high let's say high cholesterol or something then you know a cardiologist and your yeah. goal in life if you're a cardiologist is to make sure that that, that patient uh, has zero risk or at least least amount of risk from a cardiovascular standpoint yeah. and therefore you know unfortunately you know the body's a, is a, is a, is a system but they are looking at optimizing only the cardiovascular system right and you know i i keep so that this, medicine uh, for so, the ca- cardiovascular thing can have side effects which is exactly. again as you said it's so specific that their yeah. area of focus is so specific that once it's out of their realm it's not a, yeah. their concern is that what you're saying yeah yeah and and okay. you know so they in fact i i keep making this joke that you know from a from a cardiovascular uh, surgeon or a cardiovascular person st- cardio person standpoint you know if you're dead and your heart is still beating the guy is celebrating right <laughs> because you know he's their, their job is to keep your heart beating i mean that's yeah. it right and right. you know and so they they're ready to compromise anything else so that your the least amount of risk even if it's a, a you know causes more harm and more risk to the rest of your body the least amount of risk uh, you know is is there from a cardiovascular standpoint and that's mm-hmm. what they are optimizing so if to my point is that each person comes from their own understanding their own biases their own learnings their own you know goals their own incentives right and a mm-hmm. cardiovascular person's incentive is a certain way uh, you know surgeon's inter- incentive may be something else mm-hmm. and uh, if you are able to understand that and understand the context then you are able to understand where they're coming from and they all are coming from a good place they all are well meaning it's not that they're yeah, not well meaning yeah. 
people are very well-meaning, but you know, it may not be in the best interest of you holistically as a human being, in my opinion, right? Right. So, okay. So I think that's important to understand. I don't think most doctors, I think, uh, are out to get you, right? I don't think that's their yeah, intention. They're not. In fact, yeah. they're trying to help you. Yeah. But, okay, so you're sitting here now, you've got all these levels, you're a management consultant, and you're very upfront about saying this, you're not medically trained, you're not a medical professional, you're not a doctor, you're not a researcher, you're not a medical scientist. So you're sitting here and you say, okay, I, I, I don't like this approach of popping pills to get my health back or get my, I, I, don't, even, I don't know if that's the right way of saying my health back, yeah. I don't know where it went, yeah. but to get my, to get my um, parameters back on track, to get my life and my, most importantly, my health in my own um, the control over my health in my own hands. So where does someone start? Where a management consultant turned healthcare professional, or I don't know if that's the right word, but a person who's in many ways got an overarching uh, sense of, or understanding of the healthcare uh, protocols and how to make your life healthy and take sort of the reins in your um, in your own hands. So where do you start and where, how did you go about it? Yeah, so... You know, yeah, that's a good question. You know, but uh, fundamentally, I, I, as you mentioned, I come from a consulting background. Mm -hmm. And what we do in consulting is we try to uh, help companies improve the health of the company. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, so companies doing badly, it needs to be turned around or companies doing well, but there's certain areas, maybe it's a pricing issue, it's a strategy issue, it's a, mm -hmm. a supply chain issue, whatever it is, right? And they've got a set of problems. You know, we typically go in and we understand what those problems are. We uh, There's a whole structured process in terms of understanding the facts and then generating findings and generating conclusions and then developing recommendations and so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so so we you know, so so that was my sort of background and my own uh, ability to do research, you know, so which, okay. which, is, which I came from. And I, so I said, listen, why don't I apply this whole systematic process to my mm -hmm. own body? Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, is there something I can actually look at and evaluate uh, exactly in those mechanisms for my own body to understand where this is all coming from mm -hmm. and then to see if something can be done about it. Right. And that's what got me started. So I said, listen, let me first go out and collect a whole bunch of facts in yeah. terms of what these parameters mean. What consequences do they have on somebody's lifespan? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what uh, do they have interactions with each other? Are they common in terms of their manifestation? Um, you know, and 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 therefore that's what I embarked upon. So I started. You know, I, I met a few doctors. I got some advice from them. I read a whole bunch of books. I listened to, you know, a whole bunch of podcasts like yours. Um, you know, I uh, uh, met a whole bunch of nutritionists and you know, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, and that got me started on the journey to understand where this is all, all about uh, and got me going in terms of uh, drawing some conclusions from my learnings. Yeah, you know, the, 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 it, the nice thing from talking to you on our call before this and even now is that, you know, there's so much laser focus like a person, as you said, when, when they're looking at cardiology will be so deep entrenched in that space and as a person who's saying who's, who's doing gene therapy we saw in that particular gene that sometimes what happens the, the world outside is kind of disconnected but I think someone from what you are saying with your approach is that while you might not be medically trained uh, which of course we'll get to in how people experience that information how do they process it when you tell them I'll help you we'll get to that in a bit but I think what's amazing is that when you put in so much work 
And clearly, you know, just by example, as you said, you've turned your life around and uh, I want to get to those levels and those initial experiences. But you are able to sort of have this overarching set of uh, sort of experiences. You have knowledge across the board and you're able to, while um, you don't have the word, the prefix doctor to your name, you're giving so much information which connects the dots and doesn't... um, you know, just focus on say, okay, you know, you have a dislocated knee, let's just fix that. Or you have like a hip issue, but you're able to say, okay, I'm, I've got all these things that I'm looking at when I look at your chart or when I look at your blood work and, you know, okay, go to your doctor, no problem. They might recommend medicines, but here's what I can tell from your experience. I mean, from your, from your reports, from the thing that this is the larger picture, which so many times is not given to a patient or not even a patient to an individual. Why do we call them patients, right? So when you uh, did the initial research, you put together this case for yourself, what were the sort of revelations, if you want to call it, which were different from what the doctor told you? Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, it's important for us to first define what your goals are, you Mm. know, because if you're not able to define your goals, then you don't know what you're working towards. Right. Mm. Um, uh, so for me, I sat back and I and I reflected on the situation and I said, what? I mean, let me get down to the basics. You know, what yeah. are really my goals? What am I trying to accomplish over here? And I came to the conclusion, uh, you know, to some extent influenced by my father's illness, to some extent influenced by my own sort of, uh, you know, ill health, if you will, if you want to call it that term and mm. that. Um, but I, I sat back, I sat back, and I said, "Okay, what are my goals?" And I and I and I defined my goals across two parameters, right? Yeah. I said I want to increase my lifespan, mm. which is how long you live, but more important than lifespan, I want to increase my health span, which is how well you live, right? Okay. There's no point in being 95 years old, 100 years old, sitting in diapers and a bit dementia yeah. in a wheelchair, right? Yeah. At the same time, there's no point, you know, popping off in, in your 30s or 40s, you know, from a heart, a heart attack. Pack, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 56 pack, yeah. Right? Exactly, right? Mm. So, so you want to you balance both those, lifespan as well as health span. Mm. Um, and for me personally, uh, I came to the conclusion for me personally that I wanted to focus more effort on health span because, okay. you know, I said, listen, you know, uh, however long one lives, one needs to make sure that you are healthy right till the end, whenever that mm. is. Uh, no point obsessing about how long you live, but let's try to be as healthy as you can. And what does that mean, right? So that yeah. means that you should be able to, even in your old age, you know, in fact, our definition of old age itself is, is transforming uh, to some extent. Uh, in the old days, you know, a, a 30 year old, I mean, uh, 10,000 years ago, a 30 year old guy was probably considered an old person, right? Because, yeah. you know, your, your, your uh, life in, in, in your tribe, you've accomplished everything from a, from a, from a, uh, re, uh, from a birth standpoint, right? You've reproduced, you've gotten the next generation going, and now you're not required anymore. In fact, you're just a yeah. burden on society, right? Or worse you're just uh, going for breakfast and like a tiger eats you, which is very... Polite. Exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, we don't have those issues so, now. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and over the years, the, uh, the definition of age has, has dramatically changed as we've gotten more technology, as we've gotten lifespan, which has increased and so on and so forth, right? So in today's environment, you know, uh, uh, 80-year-old is considered, quote-unquote, as an old person because they've uh, their physical state has dramatically reduced as opposed to when they were in their 40s or their 50s, right? Um, and their physical, therefore, sorry, I lost that word. 
I said their physical state, their physical, their physical you know, state, their, right? Okay. Yeah, their physical state has deteriorated relative to how old they were when they were in their thirties or their forties, and therefore they have this perception and feeling that listen, I don't want to live this horrible life if I'm going to be living like this, and you know, and it's it's a deteriorating life from here on or out, right? So I said, listen, I want to really focus on health span, and that's what I got started with. So lifespan as well as health span. And then I said, uh, health span and lifespan uh, in the current context is something in my own control, right? I can work on it. Uh, and I started doing a, a bunch of uh, work related to that. Uh, but, you know, uh, and, and let the technology catch up, let other things happen. But this is where we currently stand, right? So that's what got me started. Uh, so we, we, we live, you know, this is 2022. Of course, the pandemic was a big shock to everyone. Um, you know, of course, there are, I think the background of the world sort of landscape has been better than most uh, decades. I mean, of course, we, we're sitting through a war right now. But other than that, I'm saying specifically like uh, for countries like India and China, um, there is a stronger middle class, more money to be spent, a lot more temptations to spend that money on. At the same time, a lot more uh, access, right? So when you put these things against the landscape of, you know, maybe climate issues, war, geopolitical issues. What is going on uh, with the environment that we live in? I'm not talking just of yeah, yeah, the, sure. the global warming um, aspect or climate crisis, as many of them are calling it. But people um, are living longer. As you said, there's a healthcare system which is able to make you live longer by taking away cardiovascular disease or giving you medicines for diabetes. But how much of this is um, cause creating a population that's dependent on medication and also on a certain lifestyle that's being prescribed? And how how easy or difficult is it to take your health into your own hands? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, uh, let me try to answer your, your last question first, which is how easy or difficult is it to mm -hmm. take your health into your own hands? I think, you know, uh, the challenge really is people feel... Um, but they don't have adequate information, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they are scared of uh, of taking health in their own hands uh, mm -hmm. to a large extent. The reality is we've, we've never had as much information on our fingertips as we have today yeah. uh, at any time in the, in the past. I mean, today, everything is in your fingertips. And a lot of people try to say that there's way too much information. Yeah, but if yeah. you actually look at um, you know, get into the, the rea real sort of information. I mean, if you're going to go into the real research reports and getting into the primary sources of those information, of that information, that is much more accessible today than it ever was in the history of mankind, I think. Uh, yeah, otherwise you can go to the archives of some university library, get an access code, get this, get that. But now you can actually do it uh, through the, the same tool that's spreading misinformation, right? Absolutely, right? Yeah. And you can actually get to those research reports, Sandeep, and draw your own conclusions. In the past, we actually needed to listen to journalists. I mean, there used to be a research report which got released. And, you know, the headline said, I don't know, cholesterol causes heart disease. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or whatever, some, some, you know, something like that, or, or let's, you know, some, some provocative statement. Yeah. Right? Um, and you, you actually didn't, I mean, and they actually interpreted the results of that research report on your behalf mm. uh, and they shared whatever their conclusions were. And today, you can actually go to that same research report, delve deep into it, look at the conclusions, and in fact, even to some extent, 
have a difference of opinion with the researchers which have done that analysis, right? They might have actually drawn a different conclusion from the data than you yourself would have drawn, you know, basis their understanding of what the data was uh, showing versus what you think the data is showing. Right. And okay, so, so you're talking about the analysis, but just before we move on, uh, yeah. I've heard a lot of times people talking about the this, this, not the analysis, but just the study that is conducted, right? In its very raw collection data phase, that has already got a bias. Is that true, or is that like you know you hear about things that oh the uh, the um, USDA or yeah. the um, whoever's thing will yeah. sponsor a study or will give a certain laboratory certain funding to say okay come out with we want this. Um, study to have a bias towards this particular result. So not even in the analysis stage or the journalist or the people interpreting it, but from the way it's conducted itself, it's already yeah. set up for a certain outcome. Is is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Right. So, you know, there's, uh, there's all, I mean, you can prove anything you want to, you can disprove anything you want to. I mean, honestly speaking, there's yeah. adequate evidence on this side of the table and there's adequate evidence on that side of the table as well. Right. Mm. But, you know, a lot of the research, a lot of the research is actually conducted by pharmaceutical companies, by, uh, you know, by anyone that has an interest in the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. uh, especially a financial interest in the outcome. When you have a large financial interest in the outcome, then you have an incentive to have a large study because it's, yeah. it's almost considered like an investment, right? And if you can prove or disprove whatever you're trying to prove or disprove, yeah. um, you know, with, with legitimate academicians that are stamping their uh, names, on that particular research paper, uh, then there's lots of money to be made by you, right? So, so the statin industry is one huge example of that, right? It's a yeah. massive industry. And, uh, you know, and they have put out a whole bunch of uh, research papers. And to a large extent, uh, we don't know uh, what research papers that have failed the tests uh, mm. that have not been published right which have conveniently so, been hidden yeah. <laughs> yeah which has conveniently been you know ignored or hidden yeah. and in fact there was a recent uh, situation where uh, somebody went into the the archives of a basement uh, you know and pulled out uh, the minnesota coronary experiment and you know pulled out a whole bunch of reports which had actually inconvenient uh, uh, let's say uh, conclusions drawn which were just hidden for 30 years yeah. 40 years Right. Um, Sounds a bit like yeah. the Epstein stuff going on, right? <laughs> it's true, right? So, yeah. I mean, but think of it, right? If you are, you know, uh, got such a large incentive and yeah. you're trying to do some research to prove something yeah. and it doesn't get proven, then you're not going to even release the, the fact that it didn't get proven. You just sort of yeah. throw it away in the garbage and you move on to the next thing. I mean, it's just such a glaring, um, you know, what do you call that? Uh, oversight, if you even want to call it that. But one side was saying... Alcohol, tobacco is bad for you. It's a ba ta heavily taxed industry. Kids know it's bad. Every ad that's out is bad. Now it's not even being advertised. While you're sitting watching those ads, you're belting like, you know, a, a Coca-Cola or, you know, I'm seeing in a cinema hall or wherever you're watching it. Like, why is something which, of course, we? I, I want you to talk more about this um, as we go forward, but... It's just such a, it's such, such hypocrisy, right? Like people one side are saying, oh, you know, tobacco is bad. Of course it's bad. But why aren't you informing people like how you have on the pack of cigarettes that this is injurious to health or it will cause diseases? I think the, I think the verdict's out that sugar does as much damage to a human body, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so this is the thing, right? So uh, the, always the, uh, the proof, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, has very, very large or very high, uh, standards uh, before the government gets involved, before mm. you know, the uh, the agencies get involved, 
before there's taxation, before there's all these the policy aspects, right? Yeah. And before the policy aspects can come in. And offsetting that, there's a whole bunch of lobbying groups and companies which are right. incentivized to make sure that some of that doesn't happen. You know, mm. um, so so it's a it's a very 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 slow uh, wheel that needs to be turned. And in the case of tobacco, which was glaring, yeah, uh, you know, obviously, but even that took so many years, you know, before uh, before they actually intervened and started to make certain statements and and move forward. So so it's a it's a it's a complicated process. There are mm. a bunch of uh, incentives and a bunch of countervailing forces. And so on and so forth, but and, but therefore that's why Sandeep, it's the responsibility of the individual. Yeah. Then reflect upon you know everything that is out there and make a, a concerted judgment about what they do and what they don't do, and therefore to do that, I think all of us have to be to some extent at least a little bit informed about some of the key variables in terms yeah. of health. Uh, and so that they can actually uh, embark upon, I mean, I keep making this point, the first thing that somebody should do is become the CEO of your own body. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, because nobody else is going to be the CEO of your own body. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 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 so therefore, you know, there are conflicting uh, agendas, there are conflicting, um, you know, uh, people out there in terms of pro propagating their own points of view. Yeah. And it's up to us to, see and sift through all of that and come up with our own thinking and our own conclusions in terms of what one does and what one doesn't. Yeah, you know, that's it's very true that we kind of, in all aspects, tend to sort of go with either the herd or we, I, more importantly, I think we go with stuff that's coming down. And I think this is something with with all aspects from popular culture to to, to food, to technology, to automobiles and even with healthcare we kind of seem to look to the west and whether it's europe or it's america with with research or with medical interventions and we kind of with everything like a few years a few de maybe decades or maybe now it's quicker we kind of start adopting the practices that they do and for like okay let's 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 look at this country that we live in and we call home right it's I don't know, maybe 1.8 billion or maybe two, who knows, right? Maybe it's crossed 4 billion. Who knows, right? Could be hidden, the numbers. But um, there is a huge population that doesn't have access to healthcare, doesn't have access to clean water, doesn't have access to healthy food. Now, in the middle of that, we have a population that's being exposed to a lot more influences, to a lot more money, to a lot more uh, temptations. Now, that also keeps um, a huge opportunity or creates an opportunity for, um, well, I don't know if to, to to sort of exploit, but it seems like it's 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 really sort of like you know green pastures for the medical industry to say, okay, now we have this thing because okay, let me ask you this question: is why is it so common that from America to say India there is a lot of people being fed this narrative, being fed this food, which is keeping a population sick. Mm -hmm. So in the scale of India, it'll be times 20 compared to America, right? Yeah. So what is going on there? I mean, I, I don't know if well, this is a question no, think, or it's just a thought. No, I think, uh, you know, the reality, I think it's a good observation. I think the reality is uh, people that are well-fed, uh, non-questioning, that are you know happy quote unquote living day to day 
uh, and relatively unhealthy are the most lucrative customers, right? Mm. Um, so they're not and on the verge of popping off. No, like not to be, be yeah, morbid, exactly. but, but they're not starving. So they're in the middle yeah. ground. Is that what you're yeah. saying? And mm. they're the most lucrative. I mean, you know, they, they say that something like 90% of uh, uh, medical expenses are in the last, you know, one month or last 15 days of somebody's life, right? Uh, in a lot of these uh, places. Anyway, the point is that I think it's not, not that there's a conspiracy, mm. although it may look like there's a conspiracy, but I don't think there's a conspiracy. It's just an alignment of incentives and an alignment of interests, right? Yeah. In which you have big pharma and you have big Medicare and mm. you have big insurance and you have big agriculture and you have big retail and you have big... Uh, you know, food in terms of processed food industries, and you have all yeah. these restaurant chains and fast food chains, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And all of them are sort of incentivized to, you know, to make sure that somebody that is quote unquote over consuming, overusing, uh, you know, living life quote unquote full size, you know, yeah. spending money on insurance, spending money on all those consumer products, and being unhealthy and being sort of relatively uh, unwell. Yeah, uh, and therefore, you know, on this rat race and and just running, 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 uh, that is the most lucrative sort of customer, and that's where the, this quote unquote industrial complex makes you know the most revenue and the most profits, right? Yeah, and uh, I don't think they're sitting back and and sort of uh, collaborating in terms of this, but all the incentives are to ensure that you know the the insurance guy or the uh, the healthcare provider or the the medical doctor or the hospital uh you know is is getting the the patient to do procedures to do interventions which may not necessarily be the best thing to do but you know is the is the most lucrative thing for them to do yeah. in, in the short term and you know what's so strange I, when you mentioned this whole thing of the industrial complex and all these various industries that are i mean it looks like they're in cohorts right but what's what's strange is that the person working at the mid level or the entry level they are as they, I mean, they're getting as screwed by the company that they work for as someone else, right? Uh, it's maybe the 1% of the organization who's taking these decisions the, yeah. to, to, to make sure that the, you know, the incentive being company profits or whatever it may be. But the 90% of the company are still consuming the same food or they're going to the doctor, they're going to get the same medicine. So it's very strange that humans do it to other humans and without knowing that they themselves are, you know, victims of their own works at some level, you know. I remember I used to go to Philip Morris in the old days, you know, we went to do a project there and they used to have in their conference rooms, there were ashtrays and cigarettes and everything, you know, it was freely available for people to smoke while you were there Great. in their offices. So I mean, that's uh, changed. Yeah. That's <laughs> I'm sure that's changed. I hope that's changed now. I mean, but, like the whole you know, thing is sort of, as you said, generational, right? Then this whole uh, explosion of the, uh, not explosion, literally, but this whole um, e-cigarettes and then kids picking them up and getting like flavored, um, you know, these these liquids. And then again, like, but I mean, anyway, that's that's another sort of rabbit hole, which I, I, I don't think we can, we can, we can skip that for today. But okay, so let's take your, um, your intention now is, You've t you've turned around your your health, and that's brilliant news. And you've done it without medication. Yes. So, what 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 is okay? Just for people who don't know you personally and the transformation that you've been through, can you just maybe uh, give an idea of what the past five years have been like with your lifestyle, with your food habits, and just get that? Let's get that conversation started, and then maybe we can talk about your approach to. Um, 
this 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 entire health um getting your health back on track helping others but maybe use yours um, your story as an example to start this off yeah so i'll i'll quickly tell you sort of uh, you know in terms of some of those parameters uh-huh. and then we can sort of embark upon what i did exactly the specifics of mm-hmm. what i did yeah. in my thinking around that and the conclusion that i drew right so for me specifically as i told you all those parameters that were out of sync right the, yeah. the blood glucose levels the cholesterol levels and so on and so forth you know the uric acid and you know all the other stuff uh, the the parameters that were out of sync um, you know i went back and did a whole bunch of research and i looked through all of that stuff uh, i understood what was driving a lot of those uh, you know those numbers and uh, based on that i you know did a whole bunch of research and came to certain conclusions and from those conclusions i drew i came upon certain recommendations which i embarked upon on myself and you know after that i basically reduced and reversed all those conditions okay right? okay so uh, my my blood sugars came back to normal my pressure was fine my liver was okay my you know my uh, uric acids were fine normal and so on and so forth and then i embarked upon the next phase of the journey which was sorry so how long did this take this this, this took about 6 6 8 months so it's okay, not so within a year something okay. yeah it's something that can easily be done very quickly in fact a lot of those things you can do it in a couple of months to 3 months right mm, okay. uh, it's, it's you know the body is so resilient it's just that we come in the way of our own bodies and and you know <laughs> yeah uh, mm. the body heals it's it's fantastic it's phenomenal so sorry it's you were thing. in your 40s when this when you did this yes yes that's okay, right okay yeah. so you want like so, uh, early 30s so people are like oh no, no it can no, be no. done even was, at your middle age yeah, right? yeah absolutely yeah. it can be done even when you're 80 years old as well right right um yeah so so uh, so that's what happened and you know and then i lost a whole bunch of weight and i you know then you feel good about yourself you're sleeping better your stress levels are better you are mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and then there's a whole set of sort of second level, secondary benefits that uh, one generates out of uh, being healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe I can share with you my framework for for that as well. Uh, yeah, I think that would time. be great for people listening as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, uh, you know, so 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 that was the the journey, and and I reversed you know all those conditions that I told you, and I didn't actually use any medication to even get me started on any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then the next phase of that was i said listen it's okay to be normal quote unquote yeah. but normal is not adequate right i want to be optimal right um, you know there's no point being normal because uh, i don't know if you're familiar with the, the way they calculate normal mm. is they look at your the entire population and then they yeah. say okay uh, let's take a number like i don't know blood sugar right yeah. uh, they say the the mean which is the average blood sugar of this entire population is x and then they calculate something called standard deviation which is uh, a measure of variation and this yeah. is two, two standard deviations on the right of that mean and two standard of the left of that mean uh, of that mean will be you know 99.7% of the population and therefore that is considered as normal right wow um, okay yeah right and and that's how they they actually come up with these these parameters in terms of normal so if you have a a declining um uh, population so this is actually a very valid like for instance in the case of testosterone you know yeah. systematically testosterone levels in the entire world have been going lower and lower and lower mm. um and so what the medical community has has been doing is just revising what is considered normal right? uh so, so the parameters you know, are being shifted as opposed to the levels going back up exactly right, right. so your grandfather's normal is different from our normal 
uh, which will probably be different from our grandsons and grand uh, yeah grandsons normal as well yeah. right so so uh, why what i mean just on the testosterone thing because it's a big conversation with also you hear uh, people popping supplements and uh, people taking steroids and um but what, what is this? okay what is a byproduct of a dropping testosterone level a byproduct of i mean there's a whole bunch of metabolic activities that testosterone does the mm-hmm. most obvious thing that it does is it uh, you know ensures that muscle mass is maintained mm. uh, and body fat is uh, kept lower uh, relative to the rest of your body okay. um, and and muscle mass is a very very important uh, you know let's say a parameter to have especially as you age right because right. you want to protect your muscle as you age because that's the the ultimate let's say currency which ensures that health span is maintained because then you can okay. walk you can run you can jump you can carry keep bag. your framework strong yeah, yeah. exactly right uh, so, so you know so that's the most apparent one and then of course the other uh, you know there's a whole bunch of other sort of secondary benefits to testosterone levels mm-hmm. uh, including your libido including you know sort of uh, the feeling of uh, you know being a man and wanting to achieve and accomplish and obtain and grow and you know so on and so forth right so mm-hmm. it's got a whole bunch of uh, things but yeah but as you continue to uh, redefine what is normal yeah uh, you know one needs to reflect back and say listen normal is not enough i want to be optimal right? for yourself and your and, body yeah 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 for myself right yeah. and i want to be at optimal levels and optimal levels does not mean optimal for an 80 year old man yeah. you know Uh, optimal means optimal for when i am at the optimal age from a health standpoint as a human being right mm-hmm. um you know and so therefore i sat back and i redefined what my ranges need to be right in terms of blood sugar in terms of you know all those different parameters and and, and a whole host of other right. things and i said listen i don't want to just be normal i want to be optimal and so i i it's been i so i've been on this journey to try to get all my parameters into optimal levels mm-hmm. uh, not just normal levels and that so how do you determine what's uh, optimal for say at that point you were determining for you so is there like a bunch of um studies, sort of yeah. studies you look at yeah. or different yeah. reports yeah 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 so there's a whole bunch of studies uh, depending upon the parameter you're looking at so let's right. say you look at, uh, let's say you look at blood sugars mm. uh, you know there's there's a whole bunch of see the thing with blood sugar is that it's not you know diabetes is not an on off switch right mm. so it's not a uh, uh, binomial equation right so it's not like either one day you have diabetes and next day you don't have it it's a yeah. continuum you know uh, so as your blood sugar start inching higher and higher and higher you're getting closer and closer to having diabetes and then you know we as uh, the medical community or the, the medical community has defined diabetes as somebody whose blood sugar is let's say about 125 a fasting yeah. blood sugar is about 125 yeah. but at 125 it doesn't mean that you're quote unquote you know healthy right yeah. uh, and it and at 125 it doesn't mean quote unquote you're unhealthy right yeah you know Uh, it's a continuum. Yeah, some so people are like, oh, "I'm 124, I'm fine." It doesn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, that's what your doctor will tell you. A lot of times, yeah. you go to the doctor, and you know, the doctor will say, "Oh, you're 116, 117. Uh, don't worry, uh, we'll deal with it next year. Come back next year. You know, do the just just manage it and come back next year. And then next year you come back and you're 126, and the guy is like, "Okay, here's metformin for you. Get started." Right. Yeah, or they, uh, yeah, there's another thing which is like just the day before you go for your blood work, you d- don't touch alcohol, don't touch sweets, don't touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. No, you right. know, you'd mentioned sorry yeah. this uh, this is sort of relevant because when I was giving you an example of my um, so I'm I'm predisposed genetically to have uh, a cholesterol issue, right? Uh because I mean, I'm not the fittest, but in the sense I'm not someone who looks like will have and this is something you mentioned, right? Indians don't 
look like they have certain disorders and certain levels which are higher because you might look at an uh, say an american or a european who might be big sized but yeah. compared to an indian uh, they might look unhealthy but the indian has much more um you know startling levels in their body of maybe diabetes or sugar right. levels are higher and similarly for me like my, it, it's i'm not someone who looks like i'm at risk of cardiovascular disorder but if you look at my triglycerides which i told you um which was you said startlingly high it's 262 so automatically you know the doctors are get on statins and i was like of course the doctor said now i have to follow it and you were like no that's not the approach and uh, could you just tell me tell my listeners what you told me that um, about these things i don't know if it's out of order when we're talking about this but about the whole fat cells and those two um the the, the two kinds of things the hyperplasia uh, yeah. and the other thing and how size is deceiving and how being skinny is not always being healthy yeah yeah you're right you know so there's there's a concept called tofi which is thin on the outside and fat on the inside right okay um you know and so therefore you know and 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 typically south indians especially are okay. genetically more prone uh, to uh, metabolic illness from a blood sugar dysregulation standpoint okay um because we you know south indians tend to uh, have this phenotype of of tofi so you'll see a lot of south indians who are skinny guys yeah. uh, and and women but mm. uh, have raging uh, blood sugar levels right out mm. of control and uh, and then you'll find obese people in in the west you know uh, in 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 uh, also in scandinavia or any of these nordic countries mm. um and their bl- blood sugar levels are perfectly fine they're metabolically very uh, in tune Mm. um you know so so it 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 you know so it, it does not mean that obesity is the only driver right One yeah. needs to understand uh, what is behind all of that stuff right now yeah. in terms of your that specific issue around sort of the fat cells and and how they grow and you know and and how they get stored and what happens i think it's a it's a little bit of a, a deeper conversation we can do it in you know a little later okay once, done i think once you've established a little bit more um context in terms of what i call as uh you know uh, i mean let me lay out a gr- uh, a framework for you first yeah. and then we can get a, a little bit more deeper into that yeah no i th- i want i think that's important to give a sense of what are the parameters so food yeah. lifestyle yeah. health yeah. uh exercising so all these things i think we'll we'll yeah um, right. so yeah just we will probably yeah. continue so, so, where we were yeah so let me let me just try to lay out a framework for you something in terms yeah. of my own journey and where i got started and and what what got me there right mm-hmm. so as i told you my goal was to increase my lifespan and my health span and mm-hmm. my focus really was on the health span how do i get healthier and how do i ensure that i stay healthy uh, and stay healthy in the context of optimal levels not just uh, you know normal levels quote yeah. unquote right um and so i i reflected on that and i said listen what does one need to do and i came to the conclusion that uh, one needs to ensure that they avoid the four let's say big drivers of death okay <laughs> okay um and in health and ill health but really of death right so 80 right. i think the figure is like close to 80% of us uh will die from these four diseases okay um you know if you're not a smoker uh but 80% of us will die from these four diseases Mm. um and uh if you are above a certain age and you know and 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 you don't count things like suicide and you know some of those other uh, accidents of course yeah accidents and suicides yeah. also right so the four diseases are cardiovascular disease mm. cerebrovascular disease which is you know, stroke and and associated illnesses okay neurodegenerative disease which is alzheimer's dementia parkinsons mm-hmm. uh and cancer 
Yeah. Okay. So, so these are the big four: uh, cardiovascular okay. disease, cerebrovascular disease, neuro. So, sorry. So the cerebral vascular is different from cardio because you usually associate stroke yeah, as a cardio, right? Well, they're they're related, uh, okay. but you know, uh, but yeah, they're related. Uh, it's uh, but but they're a little bit different. A stroke okay. actually, yeah, is is a little bit different than you know a heart attack, if you will, right? Okay. So uh, yeah, so so uh, and the and the last, as I said, was cancer. Right? Yeah. So many of us will succumb to these four illnesses. Yeah. So I said, okay, fine. If one is going to, I mean, these are the real risk variables out there, and I have got all markers which are getting me headed in those direction. Yeah. You know, what the hell do I need to do? Yeah. Uh, and I came to the conclusion that one needs to understand what causes, what are the precursors to these four illnesses or these four diseases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I came to the conclusion that there are fundamentally four key precursors to these four these illnesses. Yeah. Right. Um, and the four precursors, Sandeep, are uh, elevated blood sugars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the second is elevated blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The third is truncal obesity. Right. So uh, you know, fat in the abdominal area. Truncal, uh, okay. Yeah, especially visceral fat. So which is the fat in the uh, below the subcutaneous fat, which is the around fat your organs, right? Around your organs, exactly okay. in your okay. abdominal cavity. Uh, and then the last is a little little uh, nuanced, but some aspect of you know high uh, triglycerides and low uh, HDL levels, which is high density lipoprotein levels, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, so so these are the four primary variables that one needs to look at. Right. Okay. So I said, okay, these are the four precursors one needs to look at. So I said, okay, uh, now what the hell does one do if you have these precursors or if you don't have these precursors, right? What yeah. does that mean from a lifestyle span standpoint and from a health span standpoint, right? Yeah. Um, and I came to the conclusion that uh, there's good news and bad news. Mm. The bad news is that if you have these precursors, then the probability of you getting those illnesses that I spoke about earlier, you know, the, the cardiovascular disease and so on and so forth, yeah. is exponentially higher, right? It's okay. not linear function. It's not a little bit higher, but it's much, much higher. It's yeah. 2x, 3x higher, 5x, 10x higher, right? right. If you have some of these, uh, these precursors, right? So that's the bad news. The good news is that they can all be reversed. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. So not even... Yeah. Halted, but reversed. Reversed, so for, exactly. From being right. uh, in threat or being um, in danger of this, yeah. you can actually go out of that category completely. Exactly, right? Yeah. Now, they cannot be reversed using modern medicine. Yeah. Now, uh, because what modern medicine does is just suppresses the symptoms of mm. these conditions. Okay. Of these conditions, right? So if you have elevated blood sugar, you just take a pill and then boom, your blood sugar comes down. Right. But it's not uh, addressing it at the source. So why do you have exactly? It's like if you're driving a yeah. It's like if you're driving a car and the, the airbag light comes on. You know, you take a small little piece of tape and you cover that airbag light. Mm. You know, and you continue to drive the car. Yeah. You know, fine. The airbag light is not on. It's not showing on your dashboard. But the damn airbag is not working. Inside, I like that. Right? It's like masking tape, which is medicines are masking tape. Exactly. That's what they are. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, because they've not reversed the underlying condition of elevated blood sugar they've just mm. suppressed the symptom by giving you you know uh, uh, in fact giving you insulin or giving you metformin or something that is stimulating insulin or uh, getting the body to mm. get rid of the blood sugar which is circulating in your system uh, without actually addressing the root cause of why the blood sugar is high in your system in the first place so can you say almost it's short-circuiting your body's understanding and saying okay this is a quick fix so, you know, yeah, sometimes if there's a leak in a pipe, instead of replacing yeah. the pipe, you're just like, you know, I'll just put a little sealant. Yeah. 
Yeah, and exactly. you, it's the it's the under the belief that oh everything's cool temporarily, but it could lead to ma- massive uh, structural flaws or massive uh, issues in the system later on. Absolutely, because you've okay. not you've not reversed the underlying condition. You yeah. only suppress the symptom. Yeah. Got it. You got it. You know, so so you know, so long as you just suppress the symptom, then the underlying condition is continuing to be there, be around. Yeah. And the consequences of that uh, underlying condition that uh, is continuing to be around is that you just get progressively worse and worse. In fact, that's what happens, right? So you have elevated blood sugars. You go to a diabetologist. The diabetologist gives you insulin. I mean, gives you metformin, uh, mm-hmm. and then you continue to take metformin, and then slowly, you know, the the dose of you know next year you go back again, and the dose gets higher, and the dose gets higher, mm-hmm. and then. You know, over a period of time, the, the doctor says, okay, now you need to start taking in, insulin injections and you start with the insulin injections. And then, you know, the, the amount of insulin that you need to keep uh, injecting yourself goes higher and higher and higher and higher. And, 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 you're, and that's what you're doing, you know. So it's, and by it's, then, uh, most likely you've developed side effects which have their own exactly, rep- manifestation, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. By then, you know, this elevated blood sugars and the continued spikes of blood glucose levels uh, as you're trying to medicate yourself, are causing all kinds of second uh, second degree, you know, challenges, microvascular damage, you know, damage to your kidneys, damage to your eyes, damage, I mean, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, over a period of time, your condition continues to deteriorate. And then, you know, then you then the diabetologist just uh, puts you in touch with a nephrologist and says, okay, now go t- talk to the kidney doctor mm. or go to the, talk to the eye doctor. Or it's like, you know, else. friends at a bar sitting, you know, I have this other friend, <laughs> you should meet him. <laughs> Exactly. And if you don't meet him right now, you're going to meet him after five years. So you might yeah, as well yeah. get with him right exactly. now. Exactly. He can buy you around. <laughs> yeah, he can buy you around right now. Right? So, you know, now I don't think that they intend to do this. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times if you go to a diabetologist, they'll say, listen, our hands are also tied. Because if you mm-hmm. tell the patient that they need to do, you know, um, uh, interventions from a diet standpoint and so on and so forth, yeah. you know, they, they just ignore us. And they, they go to another go doctor, doing, right? Yeah, exactly. They just go about doing their stuff and, and then their condition continues to deteriorate and so it's better that we give them this medicine so therefore at least we are treating the symptoms uh you know and then therefore we are you know stopping the pipe from leaking at least in the interim uh yeah. and like you said and and you know and then you come back next year and that pipe leak is a little bit bigger so we'll give you a bigger tape to mask it right? <laughs> yeah no, and that's the yeah. thing we need, need to importantly highlight is that it's it's both it's not that the doctor's out to get you and it's not that they want to tell you to just take these medicines and people think, oh, it's a pharmaceutical conspiracy. But people don't want, I mean, who'll go to a doctor more than three times and they don't give you anything and say, no, 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 you need to quit smoking, right? Even I would be like, no, 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 give me something to make me feel better, right? At least because I'm not going to quit smoking. I mean, if if that's the mindset, then the doctors, as you said, a little bit uh, in a corner, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, so I said, okay, now, uh, you know, I said, uh, okay, so these are the, the precursors, which as I said earlier was, uh, in elevated blood sugar, elevated blood yeah. pressure, trunkal obesity, and, you know, high triglycerides slash low HDL levels. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I said, okay, now these conditions can be reversed, but they cannot be reversed using modern medicine because modern mm-hmm. medicines only suppress the symptoms. Now, what the hell do I do to yeah. reverse the underlying condition uh, of these manifestation of these uh, these these precursors, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started, you know, understanding that, and I did some a bunch of research, and I came to the conclusion that there are five vectors, if you will, or five uh, you know reasons on why these precursors manifest. Right? Yeah. So I'll just go over them very quickly with you, and then we can sort of take it from yes, there. Yes, right? absolutely. So so the five precursors or the five vectors or the five uh, key variables in terms of 
what causes those precursors to manifest are the first is your genetics. Yeah. But there's good news and bad news as far as your genes go. The bad news to some extent is you have what you have. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Uh, for some people, that's actually good news. They might be, you know, blessed with some great genes, you know. So you'll, yeah. you'll always hear this example of somebody that says, oh, my tata or my grandfather, you know, used to smoke six cigarettes or 10 cigarettes. He used to drink, uh, you know, three pegs of whiskey every night and he lived to be 95 years old, yeah. right? And yeah. he was hale and hearty right till the end. Yeah, good genes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> more power to him, right? Yeah, more power yeah. to him. But that doesn't mean that you need to do that, right? Yeah. So, so some people have certain genes and um, they're blessed with those genes. Uh, and some people have, you know, other genes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but genes are clearly one variable. The good, the, the good news is, as I said, the bad news is that you have what you have. The good yeah. news is that uh, I firmly believe that, uh, you know, genes only predisposes you to a condition. It does not predetermine that that condition will manifest. Right. Okay. You know, so uh, what the genes do is it says, listen, if all the similar circumstances, let's say your mother has diabetes and your father has diabetes and you yeah. live your life exactly like your mother and your father, you eat the same food. You, You're kind of feeding that gene saying, come on, you yeah. can turn on now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And then exactly that, that, that condition will manifest. But if you mm -hmm. choose not to do anything about it, then the genes need not manifest and the genes need not express themselves and mm -hmm. the genes need not you know, ensure that you get the diabetes, right? Is uh, it fair to say, fact, sorry, while you're on that thought, that the, the responsibility of the genes is not to kill you. It's in, in fact to enhance your life. So the gene, no gene is outrightly trying to prevent you from living a full life. Is that right to yeah. say? Yeah. So each each gene that we have, we are blessed with, yeah. is a, a particular, it's, it's there for a particular reason. Right? Yeah. In the context of certain environment that we lived in, that gene might have been phenomenally beneficial to us. And that's why we've selected for that gene. And we've killed off other people or rather, you know, through the evolution of man, we've ensured or, or humans, we've ensured that, you know, the people that were not selected for that gene yeah. were actually sort of uh, dead or, or did not survive. And the ones that selected for that gene survived, right? Because yeah. in that context of that environment, that gene was highly, highly, highly useful, whatever that environment was, right? Yeah. So, for instance, in the case of, uh, you know, of this blood sugar issue, you know, uh, you will find that uh, this is one of the things that we've, we've, we have these refrigerators in our own body, we're able to convert sugar into fat, we're able to store that fat. And that was a very, very valuable trait that human beings had, which was the ability to store fat, right? Yeah. And utilize it when we didn't have access to food, you know, yeah. so that was fantastic. However, today, in today's environment, we have so much abundance of food. We are eating three times a day. In fact, more like six times a day, yeah. you know, <laughs> Snacking, uh, yeah. and the, the levels of, uh, you know, of carbohydrates and sugars and so on and so forth that we're consuming now is certainly unprecedented uh, yeah. relative to our ancestors. And therefore, that same gene, which uh, enabled you to convert that to fat uh, and store it, is now you know not working in your favor, right? And yeah. similarly, you have a whole bunch of, like this. for instance, there's one gene called APOE4. Right, and if you have two uh, copies of the APOE4, then your probability of getting Alzheimer's is like significantly higher, more like fifty percent. Oh wow! You know, okay, uh, get Alzheimer's uh, as uh, as a, uh, not having APOE4. Right mm. um, and now, you know that APOE4 was actually a very beneficial uh, uh, genetic morphism that mm. enabled people to actually address a whole bunch of inflammation challenges. You know, mm. probably when they were living in the, you know, in the in in the bush, right? Yeah. 
um, and, uh, and and it was very valuable to certain set of humans at that time. But you know now it's it's unfortunately causing other challenges, which mm. you know we we don't we did not. Maybe those people didn't live long enough for the Maybe. Alzheimer's exactly. to kick in. Right. So yeah. They did not live long enough for that manifestation to uh, mm. showcase itself. And therefore, it never did, right? Yeah. So therefore, the, the point I'm trying to make is, I mean, I, I try to uh, use the analogy of a, of a gun, right? Yeah. The genes uh, are like a bullet in your gun, right? Yeah. They load the gun. But the gun is kept on the table. Uh, and you choose to pick up the gun and pull the trigger. And if yeah. you choose not to pick up the gun and pull the trigger, then that gene will not manifest for you, right? right. It will not showcase itself. But if you do exactly the same things as your parents did, as your whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and live the same life and do ex- embark on a, the same sort of stressors and sleep issues and so on and so forth, you know, obviously then, you know, then you're predisposed to it. And that, you know, probability is high that that gene will manifest. Yeah. Right. So, 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 yeah, so that's, this is, this is the whole point about what's called as epigenetics, which is what's yeah. on top of the gene, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is largely driven by the environment that you live in. And the context that you live in that environment, which then ensures the manifestation or the expression of that genetic, uh, you know, expression, uh, mm-hmm. which then translates into a phenotype in terms of how we live our lives and so on. Right? Okay. So okay. So anyway, so the first point was the genes. So as I yes. said, you know, my cascade was I wanted to increase health span and lifespan. To improve my health span and lifespan, I need to avoid those four diseases. To avoid those four diseases, I need to ensure that those four precursors don't manifest in me. Mm. And now I'm exploring what causes these precursors to manifest, of which I've identified the genes as the first precursor. I mean, the first uh, the factor that manifests or enables the manifestation of those precursors. Right. Right. The second one is your environment, which is you know the the environment that you live in. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, you and I can pack our bags and go live in the Himalayas and you know be you know whatever live in a very very comfortable, cool environment where which we have, you know, no pollution and no toxicity at all. Yeah. But let's assume that, you know, we are living in an environment which is not inundated with toxins. Now, yeah. of course, it's changing as we go along. You know, I, mean, you know, I think the Himalayas is probably more pop- polluted than Bangalore right now with all yeah. the all yeah, that's climbers true. and the feces and yeah. all that. Yeah. <laughs> that's also probably true, you know. Yeah. So, um, but, but my point is that uh, you know, the environment is is a key variable. So if you're exposed to you know, a whole bunch of chemicals and uh, so on and so forth, then the probability of you getting a cancer or something like that is 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 much higher, right? Okay. Uh, you know, so 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 one needs to ensure that you're not living in a highly polluted environment. You're not uh, subjected to a whole bunch of toxins, metal toxicity, and so on and so forth through the course of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and therefore these, these conditions will not manifest, right? Sorry, just, so, to, I know before you move on, I don't want to hop, um, yeah. to sort of delay you on each point for too long. Yeah. Uh, but how do you control the air you breathe or the water you drink? Because, I mean, many of us might have the option of moving to a, say, a beachfront and have clean air or the hills or wherever. But for those who don't, it, I mean... Can you put something in your water to clean it? I mean, I'm just sure. asking from a very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe absolutely. on address it later. I mean, just. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Right. So, you know, if, see, the, I think the, the first point is to understand what the risk is, right? So if you yeah. live in a house, which has got a whole bunch of leg paint and, uh, and you know, a whole ah, bunch of mold okay. and, you know, and, 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 and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all over the place, then you need to, you have to have the ability to move out of that place, right? Yeah. If you continue to do that, then, you know, that's it. Like exactly. abst- asbestos sheets, those kinds of <laughs> Yeah, very, exactly. very glaring things yeah, that yeah, exactly, yeah. Right? okay you're or, not talking or about you live, but, yeah or, or if you work in an occupation where mm-hmm. uh you know you're exposed to certain chemicals on an ongoing basis and you don't yeah. 
take the necessary precautions to the course of your career, mm. uh, you know, in, in terms of your exposure to those chemicals, then, you know, yeah. certainly that's going to manifest in a, in, a, in a whole set of challenges as well. Yeah. Okay. Right? So those are the big ones. But your specific questions on air and water. Yeah, certainly, you know, one can, you know, work on the air that one breathes and mm. work on the water. Now, in terms of working on the air that one breathes, uh, one of the easy uh, things that one can do is there's a whole bunch of you know indoor plants that you can put into your house, um, okay. which you know which make sure that the air is. I mean, it's all relative context, right? Is is actually slightly better off uh, than uh, not having that. Um, there's you know uh, air filters that one can use. Mm. One can ensure that if you have an air conditioner, you continue to keep it clean. You ensure mold doesn't uh, come into your air conditioners because. There's dampness in the air conditioner and it's leaking mold, uh, especially in the in the months that you in the winter months that you're not using the air yeah. conditioner. You know, and so so there are a few things one can do like that, right? So similarly with water, you know, one can ensure that uh, you know you have access to at least some sort of an RO system. Boiling, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, then you're using to uh, then you're also uh, energizing that water with some minerals because unfortunately a lot of the RO systems take out a lot of the minerals from the water. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're putting back some minerals in the water. Uh, but yes, these are some of the things that one can do as far as air water. Now, some of some of them you can control 100%. Some of them you can control to some extent and some of them yeah. you can't control. Right? Yeah. The yeah. ones that you can't control uh, and if you believe that they are causing a huge amount of burden, toxic burden to you and you cannot control it, then you know. Then you have to make a choice. Is this something I want to continue to do and take the risk, or do I want to move out of this house and go somewhere else? Right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just wanted to understand. So yeah. people were on this point. Just yeah. like sometimes you feel helpless, right? Like, oh my God, yeah. what what can I do? I live in the heart of Delhi during the season when they burn all those crops, and now I'm sitting with um, the you know particles per in whatever it's called the PPI, yeah. or whatever that uh, level yeah. is at 800. And like, yeah. what do I do? I mean, I don't have the money to relocate to you know, say Vanavatu or whatever, wherever it's going. So just for those people, like maybe there are a couple of like, you know, home hacks as many yeah. people might call it to do this. And this is helpful. I think maybe something as simple as just make sure you're not sitting under an asbestos sheet that's in your control or maybe you're not, you know, chewing on, you know, plastic for snacks or whatever it may be, right? So just wanted exactly. to stop on that point yeah. uh, to and, help people. And, and, and on that point, Sandeep, there's this concept called the allostatic load. Right. right, which is that the body has the ability to manage certain stress, right? mm. and, and once it, it's, it, I think I think of it like a cup. Yeah, and you know you can put on additional amounts of stressors into that little cup. Yeah, uh, but when the cup overflows, then you know then you're not able to manage it, and then it, it manifests in you know all kinds of second tier uh, challenges that the body is facing. But so long as that cup is within its control, it can do that, right? Okay. So what I'm trying to say is like you know let's say you know, you're a, you are uh, subjected to a whole bunch of toxins uh, from whatever set of reasons, right? let's say you live in, in Delhi, like you said, uh, then, you know, a, a girl can make sure she doesn't use lipstick, which is cheap quality, right? Use the high quality yeah. lipstick yeah. or use the face makeup in which it doesn't have additional toxin burdens yeah. uh, that she's being uh, subjected to, right? Yeah. Or the shampoo that you use the toothpaste that you use the you know the soap that you use the creams that you're putting on your body the uh you know and so on and so forth right so there's like i said if if you are in a in a in a very difficult situation then you need to balance that out with other things that are in your control but yeah. if you're not then you can use those lipsticks and you can use those makeups and you can use those 
you yeah. know, whatever you need to use. The, the yeah, like when you're sitting in that smog or getting that bus, uh, which is put, spewing out smoke into your face, like, try not light a cigarette, right? Might help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the point. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So don't add to the load that your body needs to right. manage. You know, and, and, and so on and so forth. Anyway, so so that's the, 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 the second point. Which then is valid. Third, right. yeah, the, the third point is actually a very important one, but won't delve too much into it today, which is, uh, which actually maybe we will, but which is mindset, right? I'm, fir- mm. I'm firmly believe that your mindset is very important. Yeah. And if you have a can-do attitude, you have an approach to life, which is, you know, about the future, which is about good things, which is about optimism, which is about, uh, you know, gratitude, uh, you know, that itself uh, is a the commencement or the start of a journey, which will start to tell all your cells in your body that, listen, things are good. You know, we can be actually, things are good. You know, there's, there's a positivity around us. And it starts to manifest very quickly. Uh, it might sound a bit woo-woo, but it's actually true. You know, there's this uh, book. The message you tell Lipton. yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's this book by Bruce Lipton called The Biology of Belief. Mm. And I strongly recommend that. Um, you know, where where he talks about how there's been so many cases of patients which have terminal illnesses who've, you know, at least enhanced or improved their probability of curing themselves or reversing those situations just by believing, right? Mm. In fact, that this is what faith healers do actually, Sandeep, right? Mm. So you go to a, somebody that you, you really have a very, very strong uh, belief in, right? Whether it's religion, religious belief, or, you know, a lot of these God men or God women or whoever it is. And while their approach might not be necessarily correct, but the, or, or maybe it is correct, mm. but the effect is actually to many people real, right? Yeah. There's the whole concept of the placebo, yeah. in which the placebo in, in many instances is stronger or equal to or as strong as the intervention in, in of itself, right? Mm. You know, quite so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so like the faith healer says, listen, you know, go and do this and you'll be fine. Mm. And you really believe it and you believe in it and your body believes it. And then, you know, boom, guess what happens? You're fine. Yeah, it's so, amazing how you hear these stories and, and faith is yeah. so powerful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so the, the concept of the placebo is very, very crucial, very important, right? So your okay. mindset is crucial and important. So if you have, like I said, if you have a negative approach, you know, and then you just keep taking medicines and so on and so forth, you're not going to get better, right? Yeah. But if you have a positive approach to the same things, you have, you know, you're, you're looking forward, you're filled with gratitude, you're doing the things, you know, and so on and so forth, you can actually uh, enhance and help and, and so on, and so forth, right? So brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's the, the third variable. And then the fourth and the fifth are your lifestyle and your diet. Right? Okay. Which is, now, you know, how you live your life and the diet is what you consume on an ongoing basis, right? In and fact, for a lot of people in today, especially listening to this podcast, I think that's in our control. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. And, you know, and, and as far as your diet goes, um, there's this old Ayurvedic saying, which says, uh, if your diet is not right, if your diet is not right, then medicine is of no use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes on to say, if your diet is right, then medicine is of no need. <laughs> nice. So so that's the point, right? I mean, Hippocrates is the founder of modern medicine, quote unquote, you know, modern medicine. <laughs> yeah. I said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food, right? Mm. So the point being that what we consume is actually our medicine. And if it's, yeah. it's, it's good, it's nutritious, it's, it's uh, nurturing, um, then you don't need any medicine. And if it's not nurturing, it's harmful, it's hurtful, it's in fact inhibiting your ability to do many things, 
then it's only then is when you need to intervene with medicine. Right? Yeah, in fact, you know, just I, I mean, this is not from a very personal observation. If you have a bad stomach because of whether you have had excessive um, late nights or whether you've had, you know, if, if cigarettes don't agree with you or you're, you're you know, sleeping, you're having this lifestyle where you're partying late, eating junk food or I mean, eating yummy food, which is at that time is delicious. If your stomach is bad, you cannot function. You, um, as a result, find yourself depressed. You find yourself uh, unable to sort of have any uh, immunity and you live like that for years and boom, one day you're like, what have I become? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. in fact, a lot of, uh, lot of Ayurveda, a lot of our ancient uh, philosophy, a lot of Chinese medicine, a lot of, uh, you know, many, many, many uh, sort of, let's say, traditional, non, uh, rather alternative, quote unquote, mechanisms of medicine have yeah. always identified that everything starts in the gut. Right? Mm. Um, and the gut is just a, a receptor uh, and a translator for what is happening, uh, you know, in terms of what you put into the gut. Right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy how real that is. Because if your gut and not stomach, people think stomach and gut are the same thing, right? Yeah. Like if your gut is not healthy, yeah. nothing is functioning. Yeah. Like you can tell Absolutely. by your skin, by your, as you yeah. said, the blood work levels, all those things, yeah. parameter levels. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, so, so the diet is very crucial, very important. And your lifestyle is very crucial, very important. And okay. those two things are firmly in your control. Right? Yeah. Now, as far as your genes and your environment and your, uh, you know, mental health, or rather your mindset, those are also to some extent in your control, but these are clearly on a day to day basis in your control, right? And, mm. and one needs to work on them. If one needs to reverse those conditions. Uh, which I spoke about those precursors to ensure that those diseases don't manifest to ensure your lifespan and your health span is optimized. Yeah. Okay. Can I just ask a quick question? Um, I have been, I've been doing that all, all along, but what I mean by uh, these five things, right? Can, if we put lifestyle and diet up top before genes um, or say environment or mental health, sure. can by, by, by having a good balanced lifestyle and diet, can we influence the other three? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. In fact, your lifestyle and your diet is influencing your genes 100%. Right. Okay. That's what's called epigenetics, right? So it is, it is you know? important. We can put these two points up top. Yeah. And as a result, yeah. the other three can be um, yeah. uh, not disciplined, but can be uh, dealt with more efficiently, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, your li like I said, your lifestyle and your, your, your diet is influencing your genes. I mean, it's, it's actually directly telling your genes how to manifest. It's okay. telling your genes to shut off, you know, this gene and, and activate this gene and, you know, uh, manifest over here and do this and do that based on the environment that you're giving it. Mm, okay. And the, and the nutrition that you're giving it. So, so that's exactly correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so, so yeah, so, so lifestyle and diet. Yeah. So these are the two things which are in your control. You can work upon it. You can do something about it. Um, and and that's essentially what one needs to focus on, right? So I said, okay, great, Sandeep. You know, I found the answer. Now, what the hell do I do? What is the right <laughs> lifestyle? What is the yeah. right diet? Right, yeah. That one needs to adhere to uh, so that I can reverse those conditions, those precursors, so I can ensure that those diseases don't manifest in me so that my lifespan and my health span is optimized. Right. And I'm searching for the answer, yeah. And I read, 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 yeah. Unfortunately, I found conflicting, contradicting, 
confusing and confounding data right mm. one guy says you should eat six times a day one guy says you should eat once a day or two times a day yeah one guy says you should you know uh, be vegetarian and another guy says you should be only non vegetarian mm. one guy says you should run and one guy says you should not run yeah. you should walk yeah. one guy says in fact you should run very fast and the <laughs> other guy says no 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 you should not do that sleep yeah yeah sleep <laughs> right and unfortunately all of them have scientific evidence to prove that their approach is the right approach ouch ah oh. So right. they've got double-blind, placebo-controlled trials, gold standard, you know, research reports showing how by being a vegetarian you can reverse everything in the world. <laughs> and somebody else has got double-blind, placebo-controlled, you know, blah 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 studies and stuff like that showing by approach using their stuff how you can reverse everything in the world. Oof. And yeah. unfortunately, they both are contradicting each other. Hmm. And therefore, for a layman or a lay person like me. it makes my life extremely difficult hmm. because i'm not able to understand what the hell is the reality and what the hell is you know not the reality in this case right yeah because it's conflicting it's contradicting it's confusing it's confounding right and yeah. so i am sitting here and i am completely confused with what to do hmm. yeah. and that's the situation i was in <laughs> you know yeah i said I mean, it's almost like, can I go to a doctor and just fix this? <laughs> yeah, it's easier to go to a doctor. Yeah, this know? is too much. Yeah, yeah. I'm drowning in information, which is yeah. Right. You know, but the good news, the good news. Um, while I say, while I make these statements, the good news, I keep making this point, is that the reality is that there are many paths to the top of the mountain. Right. You know, you can get to the top of the mountain through the north face, the south face, the east face, the west face, and you know, everything in between. Yeah. Yeah. Now, some of those paths might be a little bit more difficult, right? Mm. Uh, you know, you might need to climb a cliff before you get there, uh, and some of those paths might be more well-trodden because many people have gotten up to that path. Yeah. Know, um, because many, you know, and therefore, it's easier to get to the top of the mountain using that path. But the reality is that many of these paths lead to the same thing, right? So, so then I, you know, then you sit back and reflect, and you say, "Listen, it ain't so bad because." you can follow this approach or that approach or a keto diet or a uh, you know vegan diet or a, you know so on and so forth and also get to the top of the mountain but if you do one of those things then you need to be aware that there are other things that you're compromising Mm. and so you have to supplement yourself with b12 if you are vegan you have to supplement yourself you know make sure you're getting adequate protein you're doing mm. this and the other if you are a carnivore you need to make sure you have adequate vitamin c and you know whatever else right yeah. so you know so the point that i'm trying to make is that there are multiple paths and you know but uh, and and therefore uh, you know but but however each of them has is fraught with their own challenges risks and dangers mm. so this is the situation i was in i was like you know confronted by conflicting contradicting confusing data and i was just confounded with what to do about it yeah right and yeah uh, so so however i embarked upon something that i said listen what do i do at this stage and uh, i said listen when you have conflicting data yeah you can't come to a finding and if you can't come to a finding you can't come to a conclusion if you can't come to a conclusion you can't come to a recommendation yeah because the data inherently is conflicting Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 So so what I said was listen, I need a guiding principle that is going to help me sieve through this data, pull out what is relevant in the context of that guiding principle and then enable me to accomplish my goals and objectives. Yeah. Mm. And the guiding principle I used was something called Pareto's principle. 
I don't know if you're familiar with Pareto's principle, mm. but Pareto was this medieval economist uh, mm. during medieval times who found the 80-20 rule, right? So okay, found, okay. Yeah, I heard the 80-20 principle. Yeah, right. you heard that. Yeah, so 80% of the wealth of Italy was you know, concentrated in 20% of the people. We found if you went to a garden 80% or a field, 80% of the crop came from 20% of the land. And you'll find that in life, right? Uh, maybe it may not be 80-20, but you'll find that 80% of your customers give you 20% of your, uh, sorry, uh, 80% of your sales comes from 20% of your yeah. customers. You'll find 80% of your profitability comes from 20% of your customers. You know, mm. If you go into your own wardrobe, you'll find 80% of the time you're wearing this, the 20% of the clothes. Mm. If you yeah. go to the kitchen, you'll find 80% of the time you're eating the same 20% of the food that you make in the house. Yeah. You know, uh, and and you know, so this is repeated on an ongoing basis. The point being, what is that small set of activities or 20% of things I can do? Yeah. that ensures that I get 80% of the benefits and therefore I'll just focus on that 20% rather than try to get everything done. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was the goal and that was the intention, right? So rather than trying to do everything, uh, let's just focus on that 20%. Which, which in will... itself is quite um, self-defeating, right? You try to do everything and, and you end up doing nothing, right? So exactly. This is a, yeah. That's the point, right? Because in the pursuit, I keep making this point, don't let progress be the enemy of perfection, right? Mm. Uh, or rather, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. Right. right. Because, because if you continue you know, to be overwhelmed, then nothing yeah, gets done. Get yeah. on, right? Let's just make take one step at a time. Let's just progress a little bit. Let's get better. Let's get better. Let's get better. Yeah. And, you know, just because we're trying to be perfect doesn't mean we can't pro progress. Small wins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, so that that's that's the goal and that's the approach that I use. I said, listen, what is the 80-20? And based on the 80-20, I started looking around yeah, so on and so forth. And I came up with certain conclusions. And I applied those conclusions to myself, and and that's the journey that I've been on, right? Mm. So uh, just to give you a quick nutshell in terms of what I found, I found Sandeep that there are two hormones in your body you need to regulate. If you're able to regulate these two hormones, eighty percent of your problems in life are sorted. Mm. And the two hormones. That's where we are cut the podcast. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. So I went searching for this mag magic sauce because if you find this magic sauce, you've you know you've accomplished your goals, right? Because you've, you've you know you've you've accomplished eighty percent of the challenges yeah. uh, by doing twenty percent of the things, and uh, and you know that's phenomenal. Right? Mm. Um, and so I found that magic sauce, and I'm going to reveal that to you today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, brilliant. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so basically, uh, I came to the conclusion that there are two hormones in your body you need to regulate. And if you're able to regulate these two hormones, 80% of your problems in life are sorted out. Okay. From, from the cascade that I told you, your life in the sense, you still have other challenges. But yeah. in terms of reversing those precursors, in terms of the, you know, the, the disease challenges, and yes. in terms of essentially increasing your health span and your lifespan. Yeah? Right. So these two hormones are, the first is insulin and the second is cortisol. Right. And if you're able to actually manage these two hormones, you are in good shape. Right? Mm, okay. And so then, you know, then I set about understanding both these hormones, obviously, and also in terms of identifying what I can do to manage my insulin and cortisol levels. Right. Okay. You know, and that's the journey that I've been on. And, uh, and I found that once you're able to manage your insulin and cortisol levels, and you know and keep them at the right level it does not mean at a low level or it does not mean at a high level yeah at the optimal optimal level, level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah when you're able to do that then you know lot i mean you know a lot of these challenges will start to go away and you will reverse a whole bunch of issues 
Uh, now, of course, it's 80-20, so you know, you know, you still may not be 100% there, but they will ensure that significant portion of your uh, metabolic health is within your control. You've cleared up a lot of the rubble, so you can at least see some shape of the structure underneath, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so should I just tell you very quickly what insulin is, what is cortisol, and then we can get into it, or do you want to sort of uh, go down another path? I think you know. I think these are important. Um, yet, I think we can cover this, but also just kind of go maybe um, into detail about how. Um, the, yeah, I think immediate effects and also long term, maybe just on these two points, because I think these two are so related to lifestyle. And I think um, I think it's important to understand how it can have effects in the short term, but also expect uh, affect your health span and lifespan. So maybe I think it's important to sit on this for a while, if that's okay. good with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let me just tell you very quickly about insulin. So insulin is also called the energy storage hormone. Mm. So uh, fundamentally what happens in your body is that you eat a meal and your meal gets digested in the form of fat, sugars, you know, glucose, uh, as well as proteins, vitamins, nutrients, minerals, you know, so on and so forth. And it's circulating in your bloodstream to be disposed of or to be attracted by the different cells that require those different nutrients. Mm. Yeah. Now, one of the things that's circling in your, in your blood is insulin and yeah. high levels of insulin uh, I mean, sorry, one of the things that's circulating in your blood is, is glucose, which is glucose, sugar. Right, right, right. Everything is broken uh, and, down. But we, and, right. Yeah, and, and high levels of sugar uh, causes a whole bunch of challenges, right? So yeah. you'll find that elevated sugar, essentially, it sort of, let's say, uh, you know, rusts all your organs in your body. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, rust is not the right word, but it sort of decays, mm -hmm. all your organs decay, right? So, you know, your... Uh, your kidneys will start failing and so on and so forth if you have elevated levels of sugar circulating in your bloodstream over extended periods of time. Right? It's almost like your blood becomes caramel, right? It's almost yeah, like that exactly. visual. Yeah, so, yeah, it gets glycated. That's true. It does. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so there's, yeah, exactly. There's challenges downstream in terms of it going into these small little vascular areas, you know, uh, resulting in, in a whole bunch of challenges, including things like ED, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, kidney disease and so on and so forth. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, so in terms of what one needs to do and, and understand insulin. So the job of insulin is to uh, the body, when this blood sugar goes up, the body releases this hormone called insulin. The job of insulin is to go pull out the blood sugar, uh, pull out the sugar from the blood and store it or, or uh, shuttle it into your different cells. Yeah. Okay. And it, it starts by shuttling it into your muscle cells, right? So it right. shuttles it into your muscle cells. It knocks on the door. The muscle opens the door and insulin shuttles this through a, a transporter called GLUT4 uh, into the muscle cells and the muscle accepts it and says thank you very much and uses it as a source of energy whenever it requires it. Right. Um, and, you know, so insulin does that. Now, over a period of time, as it keeps shuttling this insulin into different cells, um, you know, you will find that uh, the body starts to get accustomed to this, uh, this, this signal that insulin is, is generating. Mm. And the body says, hey, listen, I'm not going to open the door, right? Mm. Uh, because, you know, you keep on banging this door on me all the time. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I decided I'm not going to open it today, right? Right. So and, literally and a muscle so, tired of taking in yeah. more. Yeah. And so then uh, what happens? Your blood sugar goes up because it can't shuttle it into the muscle cells, mm. um, you know? And then the body goes into panic mode and says, no, 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 I have to shuttle into the muscle, man. Please open the door. And the way it increases the volume of the knock 
is that it increases the amount of insulin in circulation, right? Uh, oh, and okay. therefore, by increasing the amount in circulation, now the volume of that knock on that muscle cell is increased. And now the muscle has to open the door and allow the ins- uh, allow the glucose to come. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so then we are on this continuous, uh, you know, downhill journey from then onwards, right? So it's like if you're in a, if you're, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure you've been in a in a shower yeah. where you know after some time the water, the hot water starts to feel a bit warm, yeah. and you need to turn up the temperature, yeah. and then slowly you need to turn up the temperature again, yeah, and you need to turn up the temperature again because your body is getting accustomed and used to that uh, level of temperature. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening in your muscle cells. Your cells are saying, hey, listen, yeah, I've been hearing this knock. It's too, you know, I, I, you keep on knocking on the door. So I, 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 I reduce the sensitivity of that knock. So reduce yeah. the sensitive insulin. And so now the body has to create more insulin to create to shuttle the cells and more insulin and more insulin, and more insulin until you reach a stage where your body cannot produce any more insulin because your pancreas produces a finite quantity of insulin. Yeah. Oh, okay. And if your body cannot produce any further insulin, now the body says, where the hell do I get this additional insulin to go and knock on all the doors of all these damn muscle cells from, mm. right? And so what, what happens then? What happens then is you have, you start, the blood sugar start to go up because the muscle is not opening the door, right? Right. Um, and as the blood sugars start to go up, you start getting quote unquote diabetes. And then you go to the doctor and you say, doctor, uh, my blood sugars are high. The doctor says, yeah, your blood sugars are high. And what does the doctor do? The doctor gives you more insulin. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So your doctors right. become your dealer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is right. So it's almost like if you're an alcoholic, somebody, and yeah. if I come to your house uh, and I sit down and my hands are shivering, uh, you know, you give me two shots of tequila, hmm. you know, okay, my hands will stop shivering, but you've not addressed my condition of alcohol. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, the next time I come to your house and sit down, you might have to give me four shots four. of tequila. <laughs> uh, and the following year, you need to give me a bottle of tequila, right? Crazy, uh, or yeah. at least half a bottle of tequila, right? Uh, yeah. For my hands to stop shivering because we've not addressed the underlying condition. And this is exactly what is happening in the world today, which is insulin levels are getting higher and higher and higher because it's not able to dispose. So, sorry, is that, called ins- that, is that what is referred to as insulin uh, resistance? Exactly, right? Your right. body is becoming resistant to the signal of insulin. Right. And when the body becomes resistant to the signal of insulin, you need more insulin to uh, to uh, get that body to actually open up the door. Yeah. That just sounds crazy that you, okay, your doctor gives you, okay, depending on the level of your sugar, from anything from medicine to to, to insulin Injection. injections. Yeah. And what do you do then? You just go eat another, you know, yeah. like a pizza or like cake or exactly. pasta or whatever it may be. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not criticizing anyone for this. This is, I mean, I'm not, I don't have insulin, I don't have diabetes, but... Like, what do you do when you feel down? You pop food in your mouth, right? No, it's, exactly. it's such an obvious reaction, but it's little known that it's doing this to your entire yeah. sort of beautifully designed system, which is able to process yeah. and, and yeah. absorb and create and um, preserve. And we're just yeah. throwing in, like yeah. almost putting these obstacles yeah. in its way, which yeah. just get more magnified. Yeah, and we dysregulated the whole thing. In fact, I, I remember meeting a friend of mine and he's highly diabetic and I saw him sort of, you know, consuming ice cream. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, no, no, I just had a shot of insulin. And so before, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so before my blood sugar crashes, I need to have some ice cream, right? Oh, um, my God. You it's... Know, so it's, it's like the tail wagging the dog, you know? Uh, I mean, if you saw so someone who's a, a heroin addict shooting up, going on, no, I'm going to have the shot. You'll stop them. He's like, dude, what are you doing? But clearly, society's like, no, no, it's okay. Would you like extra hot chocolate sauce on that, right? 
exactly right? and Crazy. and unfortunately this is a condition that you are stuck with for the rest of your life so it's worse than a drug dealer because at least a drug dealer you know first of all your lifespan is pretty much less you know uh, versus <laughs> or he might here. get arrested or something right <laughs> yeah or he might get arrested or you know whatever right here they literally are selling you quote unquote drugs which keep you alive now of course the benefits are amazing i mean if you have for instance type 1 diabetes where your pancreas cannot produce any insulin Right, then you that, have that is an issue. That's a medical condition, right? That's yeah, not through environment. You have yeah. To, yeah, so you have to depend upon this, in which you know you're getting exogenous insulin uh, injected into your body. Mm. Otherwise, you know you, your blood sugars will go crazy, right? Because you mm. don't have any ability to. Uh, and you can die from excessive yeah, blood sugar. Exactly, that's something exactly, exactly yeah, right. Yeah. So you know, so so that's great. But but in the context of type two diabetes, you know, I think. The challenge is we're just continuing to become more and more alcoholics uh, as a consequence of this uh, situation, and we're not addressing the root cause, as I told you earlier. Right? So, building up more and more intolerance, uh, resist, yeah, sorry, exactly. uh, insulin resistance, more and more insensitive. And that getting, same cycle you said, the dosage keeps increasing. Then the other issues surrounding this is start, and then we just become a car with multiple broken parts. Yeah, exactly right. So, so what we need to do is actually stop the cycle, right? So mm. we need to make the body more sensitive to insulin. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and so what do you do about that? So, you know, so there are a bunch of things one can do in terms of making the body more sensitive to insulin, including reducing the load of insulin required. Yeah. Right? So if your blood glucose is, you know, I don't know, 200, then there's a certain amount of insulin you need. If your blood glucose is only 130, then there's a different amount of insulin. Yeah. And the body yeah. has a way of taking away excess over, even though you have insulin resistance, your body can come back to balance, right? Exactly. You can right. resensitize your body to insulin. Right, so your body's not just going to be like, hey, you've done this to me now, that's it, there's no coming back. Exactly. It does come back to equilibrium if yeah, you give it a chance. Yeah, this is the beauty of the body. Yeah, this mm. is the beauty of the body, right? The body is so resilient. It's phenomenal. It's the, I mean, it's it's quite amazing what the body it's, is. Yeah, it's brilliant because, I mean, anyone else would just be like, you know what, yeah, there's no saving this guy. But the body is like, no, no, I'll come back. Give yeah. me a chance, yeah. Yeah, and, and you don't even need that long of a chance, Andy. This is the beauty of the body. The body says, dude, don't even give me, you know, I don't need 10 years or 20 years to, uh, you, you've been abusing me for 40 years, yeah. right? Give me three months, four months and I'll be back to normal. Wow. Yeah. That is mind-blowing. Like, yeah. now I was telling you on a call, I'm a smoker and I've smoked for 20 yeah. years and now yeah. I've been close to a year off cigarettes completely off. Yeah. I mean, it's, and sometimes you're like, oh, my stomach. And then I'm like, wait a second, you've done this to your body for 20 years. Give it a little chance to come yeah. back, right? And, yeah. and we don't do that. We want a one-day fix. Yeah, we want yeah. a one-day fix, right? And my point is actually just give it three months, give it six yeah. months, and it will be fixed. You know, that's the beauty of the body. It's so resilient. It's so it's mind-blowing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's regenerative, right? Um, you know, so 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 it can be reversed. A lot of those conditions can be reversed, right? Uh, so insulin that, yeah. sensitivity can be enhanced. You know, the resistance that you have to insulin can be reversed. And you can just stop more... spiking those sugar levels every three hours. Stop eating like chips and snacks. And <laughs> I mean, there's like... a bunch of things to do. But yeah. the point is, you know, if you're in the shower and you're getting accustomed to that, like hot water and then, you know, warm water and hot water and warm water. The first thing is just get out of the damn shower, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just switch right. off the water for some time. Yeah, stop switch eating. Switch off yeah. the damn water for some time, right? Yeah. Get out of the shower. Then, you know, then we can start then thinking take stock. about... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then we can start thinking about what we can do. But at yeah. least, you know, like they keep saying, right? If you're in a, in a hole and you're, you're, you know, the first thing to do is stop digging. Yeah. 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 So uh, uh, yeah, so 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 that is that is insulin for you, right? Yeah. So if you're able to make your body highly sensitive to insulin, I am of the firm belief 
that that is the central axis in which all most metabolic disease uh, sort of revolves around, right? Right, uh, right. The inability to make your uh, inability of your body to uh, or the the, uh, the dysregulation of glucose in your body mm. and the inability to keep your body sensitive to the insulin signal. And glucose is required just to make that clear. People do your body, your muscles need it. Your everything yeah. needs it to function. So if it's not, it's, it's the problem with this is that it's too much glucose is running around in the blood, not being used. So it's not yeah. like so it's yeah. inefficiency. You know, nothing's getting it. It's just sitting there. It's yeah. like a bad supply chain thing, right? It's it's there, yeah, but it's not being used. Chain, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Glucose is required. All nutrients are required, right? Mm. Uh, at the right doses, at the right levels. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have this mismatch in today's society. Yeah. Where, you know, we've sort of uh, hyper exaggerated, you know, everything that we need to or we want to that is desirable. Yeah. Uh, and the body is not accustomed and attuned to those levels of exposure. Uh, and that's what's causing, you know, these challenges to manifest in the first place. The levels. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, but the body does. I mean, the brain requires glucose to run. And if it doesn't have glucose, it creates its own glucose. Yeah. Uh, also called gluconeogenesis, right? So, yeah. um, you know, where it'll burn your muscle, it'll burn your protein and, and create, muscle, uh, create glucose so that there's adequate glucose to fuel your brain and your central nervous system. So one so, of these key underlying things that keep coming up from what you've said over the past um, hour or so is don't get in the way of your body. <laughs> as simple as that, Sandeep. Yeah. As yeah. simple as that. You know, just get out of the way. Yeah. You know, just get out of the way. Don't you don't need to do anything Herculean. You know, you don't you don't need to be a superstar. You don't need to do anything. Just get out of the way. And the body <laughs> knows how. You know, this is we have a beautiful body. We have a yeah. beautiful you know, uh, I mean, set of, uh, I mean, which is which is evolved from from millions of years of you know experimentation and testing and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. And so it's it's highly resilient. Uh, but the point is, we come in the way of the body. Yeah? Right. And all we need to do is just get out of the way. Exactly. You're right. You're 100% right. Yeah. So, uh, so, so the, yeah. So, I was just uh, so continuing that path. So, insulin resistance. So, insulin is the first hormone. So, if yeah. you're able to get out of the way and make sure insulin is regulated and your blood sugars are within control, uh, you know, and operating at the right levels, you know, that is uh, a key part of achieving metabolic fitness. Right. Mm. The second hormone is a hormone called cortisol. Right. And cortisol is also called the stress hormone, right? Mm. Um, and so what happens is in the old days, you know, when, when a bear came and attacked you uh, or you were confronted by the bear, you got into something called fight or flight, yeah. which is either you run away from the bear or you uh, fight against the bear. Mm. And those are your only two options. Yeah. Mm. Uh, There's no diplomacy know, and, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? You know, or you freeze. You know, that's actually another option as well. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've option. seen that uh, develop in certain. I think that there's some goat that does that, just falls over. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some reptilian uh, reptiles also do that. You know, they just sort of pretend to, to be, be dead. dead. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so the point is, either you run or you 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 stay there and mm. fight against that bear. Uh, which activates the parasympathetic synthetic nervous system. Mm. Now, when you do that, you actually uh, release a whole cascade of hormones, including mm. adrenaline, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and so on and so forth. One of them is cortisol. Yeah? Yeah. And the job of cortisol is to help you address this fight or flight or to, you know, and, and the cascade of all these hormones is to help you address fight or flight, yeah. Yeah? which is to make you more resilient in the face of the, that bear. Right. Yeah? 
Uh, and the way it does that is it shuts down your digestive system, it shuts down your immune system, it increases your heart rate, it increases your blood pressure, and wow. it dramatically shuts down your insulin sensitivity, right? Because it says, hey, listen, I don't want you to be shuttling all that glucose into the muscle. In fact, I want you to release insulin, I mean, uh, glucose from your uh, from your liver so that I can access it when I'm running away from the bed. Right? Mm, okay. so I need the energy. I need to fight against this bear. Yeah. So, so these are all phenomenal things which are great in the short term, mm. but very harmful for you in the long run, right? Yeah, can imagine if term, every, yeah, yeah. Because in the short term, essentially, what the body is saying is, "Hey, listen, instead of uh, you know digesting my lunch today, uh, you know, Absolutely. let me focus on the bear. Otherwise, I'm going to become <laughs> the lunch of the bear." Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, instead of focusing on a small little cut across my you know, across my cheek. Let me focus on you know this this tiger in front of me because there's going to be a massive cut across my entire face if I don't do that. Right? Yeah, you know. So so it prioritizes and collates and corrals all the resources of the body to focus mm. on the threat at hand, which is this bear. Yeah? Right. And to ensure that you survive the bear attack, which is fantastic in yeah. that situation. Because you live another day. You are able yeah, to exactly. do so, so get attend to the other work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right now, this is fantastic in the short term. Unfortunately, it is harmful to you because it's you know screwing up your digestive system, your yeah. and so on and so forth. Right now, this is great. Um, however, unfortunately, in our lives, Sandeep, we are confronted by mini bears. Yeah. yeah. So we've got these stressors. So it's like you know coming back to your initial question, really for me, right? Which is what will people think of me? What is my status? You know, what, what, you know, what is my financial situation? Do I have adequate money? Do I have adequate resources? You know, am I going on the right vacation? Am I, you know, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. And these are mini bears which are sitting on your shoulder and they're not running away. They're not going away. They're sitting there whole day and night. Yeah. And they're not shutting down your digestive system, but they're impairing your digestive system. They're not mm. shutting down your immune system, but they're impairing your immune system. Right. Yeah. It's not at optimal. Yeah. It's Got not. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so that's the challenge then, right? So cortisol, you know, elevated levels of cortisol and dysregulated cortisol, uh, you know, cycles is causing an impairment of your digestive system, your immune system, your, uh, you know, your heart rate, your blood pressure levels, and your insulin sensitivity. Right? Mm. So, so unfortunately, we are in this vicious cycle now where we have dysregulated, dysregulated cortisol levels, which is leading to dysregulated insulin levels, which is leading to dysregulated. So in this unfortunate vicious cycle. Right? So the body and, is constantly for a long term thinking it's either fighting or fleeing, yeah, which exactly. is not, as you said, it's just it's, it's prioritizing that over living. Exactly. Right. You know, and, and so one needs to ensure that uh, one needs to, uh, you know, not be in this stressed out flight or flight, uh, you know, mode all the time, uh, you know, and uh, address that challenge on that. So, so, you know, based on everything that I did, all the research that I did, I fi finally came to the conclusion to be in a virtuous cycle. One needs to regulate your insulin levels and one needs to regulate your cortisol levels, which, you know, insulin level regulation happens by making the body more sensitive to insulin as a consequence of the diet and the lifestyle that you choose to pursue and regulating your cortisol levels uh, is a consequence of the lifestyle and diet that you pursue so that you ensure that those levels are also maintained. Yeah? And, and then the question becomes, what is the right diet and lifestyle to make sure that these two hormones are optimized? Yeah? Right. And so that was the journey I was on. 
No, and I think that's brilliant because the thing is that it's such a it comes. I mean, it's such a complex thing what you've broken down through various uh, attempts and through various and lots of research into these things. And of course, it might seem like oh, that's it, but no. And and I think we we can sort of. I don't know. Maybe a couple of basic tips. I think because you do have this plan to help a billion people. I I want you to talk about that before we wrap up today. And as you've said to me on the phone call privately and also here, it's. Each person is different. Each person is unique. Each person has their own optimal optimal uh, performance, their own levels that are suitable for them, their environment in which they thrive, and also certain limitations. So maybe before uh, we wrap up, maybe if you can give a couple of pointers with lifestyle and diet, which are uh, generic to people, which can be a good starting point, and then maybe tell people who are listening now about your plan and how they can reach you, and then we can just sort of wrap up that for today. Sure, sure. So, so in terms of uh, you know a few pointers, if you will, right, yeah. uh, on how to make this better. I think let me break them down into diet pointers and some lifestyle pointers. Super. So, so in terms of some lifestyle pointers, I call them you know scaffolding, if you will, right. So mm. basic foundational things that one needs to have uh, to ensure that you know one is in the right right uh, place. Yeah. The first is sleep. Unfortunately, you know we have this uh, tendency in the whole world. Yeah. Where we deprioritize sleep, everything else is prioritized, you know, before sleep. Yeah, mm. um, you know, and and you know, and, and that's the big challenge. You know, we as human beings, we've not been able to evolve away from sleep. Mm. Um, and sleep, if you think about it, ten thousand years ago, while we were in the jungle, in the prairie, wherever we were, uh, if you were fast asleep, you were obviously subject to prey, right? Because mm. you were susceptible. Because you are sleeping, uh, and therefore the body, or, or at least human beings, should have evolved a way in which stronger people who could sleep less were actually, you know, uh, prioritized towards and selected for through evolution. Yeah. Uh, and people who slept longer were deprioritized and deselected, if you will. Yeah. Um, that should have happened, but that hasn't happened, right? So we Strange. still require the sleep. same amount of sleep, the same eight hours of sleep, because it's such a restorative process in which nature is telling us. I don't mind you dying. I need but you. <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting <laughs> thing that the body is like, yeah, yeah, it's okay if you don't wake up ever, but I need this <laughs> sleep. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, exactly, right? So the body is saying, it's listen. Good, it's a good you know, joke. It's a good one. Nature is saying, yeah, I don't mind if you wake, you never wake, but you know, right now you need to be sleeping. I think we can uh, allow our body that. Everything is doing for us. One little uh, joke is good. It's a good yeah. joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, so sleep is one of them. Uh, yeah. Next one. Yeah. Next one, I think, is uh, some amount of movement, exercise, whatever you want to call it. Right. Right. Uh, activity. Uh, and, and a lot of people, uh, it's ingrained in their day to day life. So, like, you know, some people just you know, by the virtue of, by virtue of the occupation that they are in, right? They, mm. they may be walking a lot, they may be running, they may be moving, they may be very active. Uh, while you have a whole bunch of other people who are sitting by the desk and not doing anything for a significant portion of time, they need to ensure that they are designing some amount of activity into their lives. Yeah. Um, some amount of movement into their lives and some amount of uh, uh, cardio activity as well as some amount of strength activity strength is actually very very crucial okay. especially as we talk about health span you know yeah. it's crucial that we protect our muscle mass as we grow older otherwise we struggle with sarcopenia as we age and sarcopenia is considered as probably the, the biggest challenge for all uh, older people yeah, mm. in which there's muscle wasting which is causing you know hip fracture which is then causing you dramatically to 
uh, you know, restrict your movement and your life span and so on and so forth. Right? Mm. So, uh, so yeah, so some amount of movement, some amount of physical activity, some amount of uh, strength. Know, yeah, strength training is uh, is crucial and and required, right? So that's the second uh, second point. The third is some level of you know gratitude, stress management, whatever you want to call it. The point is, we need to make sure that we're not too stressed out. Going back to that cortisol point, right? Right. Uh, and some of that could come from meditation. Some of that could come from you know listening to music, some activity that you're pursuing, something that you're doing, which is enabling you to do. Uh, sending the right message to your body that you're safe sending the right that you're, yeah. to your exactly yeah that's the third and the fourth that i'll just tell leave you guys with you know and then we can discuss some other things is i believe that there's a strong community element you know man is a social being yeah day. all the social beings right so the ability to interact with other people the ability to contribute towards their lives the ability to have some purpose in your life the ability to have fun with other people, the, you know, just general social uh, aspects of life, whether mm. in, a, uh, in a structured manner or an unstructured manner. Structured means whether you're following a faith, you're going to a temple, there's a bunch of support people around you, or you're going to a church, there's a, you know, or you're going to a dance club or you're going to a, I don't know, wherever it is, right? Yeah. Some community of people that you interact with, that you connect with. Uh, that, uh, you know, gives you purpose and meaning. Which was a no-brainer. When you have 1.8 billion people in a geography as small as India, you'd think we'd be meeting at least. But no, we're, we're more and more isolated, right? Exactly. Or we're, we're isolating ourselves. It's not like anyone's doing it to us. Exactly, right? And we are engaging in virtual, uh, you know, uh, connections through social media and things like that, which are fine yeah. as a tool. But that, uh, you know, we need to make sure that we also are connecting uh, with human beings. We are staying connected. Yeah. People, they're staying connected with purpose, they're staying connected. Yeah. I mean, these are tools to enhance social interaction, not replace. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. So these are some of the things, you know, uh, that I think uh, from a sort of, let's say, scaffolding standpoint, from an outside standpoint that are important. Right. So in terms of diet, few, three, four tips that I can give you. I think uh, the first point that I that I want to make is that it's, it's important um, that we don't keep stimulating uh, the glucose response on an ongoing basis. Basically, mm. get out of the shower, right? right? So eating six meals a day, 10 meals a day, 20 meals a day uh, may not be the best advice. Now, Don't keep feeding your body, right? Yeah. If you're a bodybuilder and you're trying to put on muscle mass and you're, mm. you know, really focused on, you know, that, or if you're an Olympic athlete or, you know, where nutrition is crucial and key uh, so that you're getting adequate leucine and protein and, you know, all of those things, then, yeah, you may need to do that. Yeah. But for... The common person, right? Yeah. You and me, basically. Yeah. There's no need for us to be eating six meals a day, eight meals a day. Mm. Uh, but even the, the athletes are doing it for a purpose, for a short-term activity and result. Not they exactly. can't. They're not going to live their whole lives like that. It can't yeah, be done. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right? right. But but for you and me, you know, I think uh, you know, there's a there's a concept called time restricted eating. Nowadays, there's a whole concept called inter intermittent fasting, which has gotten a, uh, gotten a big craze going on right now. But right. you know. I'm, yeah, I like to use the word time-restricted eating, where yeah. you restrict the window during which period you eat mm. uh, or consume calories, uh, mm. which then restricts the time that your body is reacting to the glucose spikes and insulin is circulating during those periods of time, which then gives a period of rest during times mm. when you're not uh, you know, spiking glucose, which allows your body to slowly become more and more insulin sensitive as time progresses. So, so what is your hours? Uh, what do you, what kind of uh, restricted I, window? I typically, 
Yeah, so me, typically what I do, uh, Sandeep, is I uh, do like a, you know, I, I restrict restrict my eating to like six to eight hours a day. Okay. Um, and I do that on Tuesday through Saturday. Okay. On Sundays, I eat three meals. So I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I okay. break my fast at, at nine o'clock in the morning, mm. uh, 8.39, whenever. And then on Mondays, I, I do what I call as a metabolic Monday, where I okay. do a 24-hour fast. So I don't eat anything from Sunday night to Monday night. Yeah. Okay. So that, uh, but you do liquids and you do like tea and coffee. No, yeah, tea, tea, okay. but no, nothing that stimulates glucose. Uh, right. So no, sh- no, no sweetened tea. Right. Yeah. Just okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you do a, you, you do an eighteen hour, sixteen to eighteen hour fast every day from Tuesday yeah. to sun- Saturday. Um, yeah. Saturday you do a uh, sorry. Um, su- Sunday you do a uh, entire three days, yeah. three meals yeah. a day, and then yeah. from Sunday night to Monday night you're complete. Off. Okay. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I do. And then, you know, every now and then, you know, I'll just sprinkle in a fast if I need to. And then, you know, over the over the past few years, I've done a few extended fasts. So I've done like a five-day fast. I've done, you know, a three-day fast and stuff like that. Right? You know, I think this um, entire, just this topic I can, we, I want to get you back on for because just to guide people, because many times, you know, people will say intermittent fasting, they think eating for, not eating for 12 hours is that, but it could also, this extended fast is actually what intermittent fasting is when you go for at least 24 yeah. to 36 hours without food. But yeah. also many times people will say it on a podcast, but what does it feel like to go through it on day three, on day four, on when, my God, is it okay to eat now? Like, oh my God, what do people say? Because a lot of times this is synch- uh, this is kind of, um, the, the the outlet for this is social media. People are like, oh my God, you can do it. 21 days, no food. Like, you know, the challenges which you've seen. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, it's important. Yeah. And it's very important what you break your fast with. You know, after yeah. five days, you know, if you if you go ballistic with, you know, there's, there's, an, there's a, actually there's an approach to break it. Otherwise, it's yeah. very unhealthy. Yeah. Correct. Because that could be in a way you're assaulting your body with this this barrage of toxins it could be, right? If you don't Absolutely. know what you're putting in. So yeah. I think I think that's, very important, but I don't think um, I want to sort of just brush, uh, sort of just do this on the surface. I'd like to get you back when you have time for sure. just that, like, you know, this intermittent yeah. fasting, the the diets, what, how to eat, as you told me earlier, what to eat, when to eat, how to eat it. Um, I don't want to take away from the depth of your yeah. research in that space, but I think just for people to have a, you know, just, yeah. just a glossary of what um, options are there. I think this is where we can sort of take sure, a couple sure. more points and leave them with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And related to this, yeah, like you just said, you know, I, I firmly, I mean, people keep asking me, what should I eat? Right. Mm. And and I make the point that more important than what you eat is when you eat, where you eat and how you eat. Mm. Right? You know, uh, most of us, I mean, like, you know, coming back to the when you eat is exactly what we just spoke about now. Uh, but, but also the what, the where you eat, you know, mm. and, and, the, and then the how you eat, right? So a lot yeah. of us are sitting in front of the television, just popping popcorn, mindlessly mm. chomping on that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you consume a huge quantity of that because we're just distracted, right? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to sitting in your in front of your uh, in the dining table with your family, appreciating the food, tasting every aspect of the food, being thankful for the food that you have, which just gets the digestive juices to work much more efficiently, which gets you to digest the food much better, absorb the nutrients in a much better fashion. Yeah. You know, so that's equally important, which we all gloss over a lot of times. Yeah. Right. So that's one. Yeah. Uh, the second one, I would say from a diet standpoint, uh, is if we can, 
avoid as much as possible all the processed foods that are out there right mm. now this is a difficult thing to do because you know what is processed and what is not processed <laughs> yeah typically yeah so typically i i have a framework in which i say listen there's there's processing there's mechanical processing there's I mean, there's chemical processing yeah yeah uh, and you know things like mechanical processing is like you know rice that's ground up into something else yeah, yeah. some powder right that's like a mechanical process you know or wheat which is ground up into flour right that's yeah. a mechanical process um or or the first phase of that which is just rice which is dehusked is yeah. also a, a mechanical it's process, a process. Right? yeah 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 and then the next phase of that is uh, the same uh, rice which is ground up into a powder to make rice flour yeah. right uh, then the next phase of that is some chemicals added to it yeah mm. uh, and then the final phase of that is a whole bunch of chemicals added to it which makes it look and taste and feel like it, it's completely different from what we started off with yeah 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 you know uh, so so my bias is towards this latter two points if you will right mm. where any uh, external ingredients which are added to those foods typically tend to be harmful to your gut microbiome typically tend to be harmful uh, typically are manufactured by big food companies whose only yeah. goal is to make sure that you consume more of it uh, you know and and they tend to have negative consequences on the body right so yeah. in my opinion things like you know sauces and biscuits and cakes and you know cookies and uh, you know juices and you know so on and so forth Mm. you know like your uh, aerated drinks and soft drinks and so on and so forth tend right. to be things that one needs to avoid so what what would someone just to, to throw a counterpoint at you what if someone says no but my i know my baker i know the bakery i know the patisserie wherever the i get my cookie i know they use oatmeal and i know that the ingredients are organic or uh, they are healthy so what what would you say to someone like that so absolutely so if you're baking the cookie yourself or if you know exactly who's baking it yeah. you know you can have it but you know uh, but you have to recognize that it's still a processed food and therefore it's going to escalate or elevate your blood sugars in the short term now okay. if you're sensitive enough such that it doesn't have a big impact on you because you know your insulin sensitivity is fantastic you know then go ahead you know do it yeah. no problem but it, that's why it's context is so important on this Sunday, right? yeah, so yeah. you can't just sort of I say I also wanted to throw that point there because a lot of people give you that argument no but i i, I bake my own thing so yeah, just yeah. just for people to know right. why you're saying these things yeah right and and for you i mean it might work for you but yeah. for me it might be really harmful because you know because i'm i'm uh, way past that journey of insulin sensitivity and you know i need to sort of reverse that condition Correct. and so it's creating a huge blood glucose spike and if i can see that blood glucose spike which is coming as a consequence of me eating that cookie then that's a challenge for me but yeah. for you it might be perfectly fine it's, it's yeah. okay you can have that cookie every now and then or you can have it more frequently especially if you're confident of the ingredients that are going into it and the process which is employed in terms of manufacturing that particular cookie right? yeah um yeah so context is so important that's why it's important to customize a lot of this to you know yeah. particular yeah. yeah so but but generally speaking processed foods tend to be more stimulating of uh, the insulin response uh, mm. and more sort of uh, uh, glucose uh, you know challenges and they tend to be uh, with a bunch of preservatives and artificial colors flavors sweeteners shelf stabilizing agents uh, mm. you know uh, they tend to have emulsifiers they tend to i mean generally speaking they tend to have all these things you know because at the end of the day the food manufacturing company you know, i used to run a retail chain right so for us yeah. shelf life was uh, was crucial and if the shelf life of bread is 2 days versus another manufacturer whose shelf life is 5 days guess which yeah. one i'm 
Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, and for that bread to have five day shelf life versus the two day shelf life. Yeah. uh, They're obviously putting something in that, you know. The one with five Uh, days doesn't, uh, it resembles bread less than the two day one. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, so, 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 so that's little harmful to your gut microbiome, to your, uh, you know, digestive system, because now it has to process all those preservatives and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. Generally speaking, less preserved, less processed, less, uh, less, uh, you know, some of these things are tend to stuff be. that looks like itself is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so that's the, uh, that's the, the second point that I could say. The third small little hack or small little tip that I can give is ensure you have adequate hydration. Most of us tend to be dehydrated, you know. Okay. So we're not consuming adequate amounts of water. As a consequence of that, a lot of times at four o'clock in the evening, you know, we feel hungry, we feel famished. And that four o'clock evening event is actually thirst manifesting as hunger. Yeah. Um, you know, that's crazy because I've been, I told you I've been doing the 21 uh, hour fast, right? Between 20 okay. and 21 hours. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, people are, and I don't want it to be, because the moment you tell someone you're doing this, they're like, oh, that means I have to cook a separate thing for you. You're so inconveniencing everyone. I'm like, no, no, relax. I don't know why they have a strong South Indian accent, but they, that's pretty <laughs> much what they sound like in my head. But, Sometimes, you know, people at home are eating and I don't, you know, I, the smell of food is lovely. Who who wouldn't deny that? But I have a glass of fresh lime with like, say, salt yeah. and I feel full. I feel good. Yeah, and that keeps me going to like five o'clock and at about 4.35 again, I have like maybe a glass of hot water, maybe a, you know, glass of a cup of black tea without sugar. None of this is with sugar and I feel great. And now yeah, by yeah. 6.37, when I'm ready to eat, I don't feel like I have to plow into food like, a, you know, a person who's not eaten in 24, 21 hours. Yeah, so yeah because you're metabolically flexible. Yeah, right. because you're metabolically flexible now, right? Because mm. you are able to, you know, you're a hybrid car. You can use fat as well as glucose to run your engine. Yeah, oh. um, you know, and that's the benefit of of doing this. But anyway, I guess we can. That's a, a yeah. I mean, I can change my name to Prius, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you no, go. that's no. As I said earlier, that is a thing that's such. Um, it's such an important thing to go into depth with because it, these things, as you said, because a lot of people will read uh, after this or before this, they've read and come and they might just take you know just enough to suit them. Uh, but yeah. I think someone like you who spent so much time and I don't want to do a disservice to your research and the information and the time you spent by just saying, oh, you know, um, them going, oh, Raman said this, I can, yeah. I can eat, um, you know, just a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet for, you know, I'll do it once a week and I'm fit and then come back saying, why am I not fit? So, yeah. I think if you do have the time at some point in the near future, come back uh, as a sequel to this and just help people. I think, um, yeah. So I I want you to just tell me before, you know, you close the, maybe anything you had left about the diet, but also about your plan to help the people, because I think that's something which is so magnanimous and generous in itself, which needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. So in terms of diet, you know, a few, Few other small little pointers, you know, generally, I think most of us are deprioritizing or not consuming adequate quantities of protein. Now, of course, when I make that statement, you know, people will go ballistic because <laughs> protein is so, uh, I mean, so, so individual, right? Yeah. So for someone who's a bodybuilder, how much protein they require is fundamentally different from somebody who's an athlete, is different from someone who's a housewife, is different from somebody who's doing manual labor and work, is different from, you know, so on. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is I think most of us in our diets, tend to have inadequate quantities of protein. Okay. Um, and so we need to prioritize protein. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a crucial point, which is that 
uh, we need to get adequate amounts of protein as in the context of your own life, whatever your life is, right. in terms of what your life is, adequate quantities of protein is required. So and basically, then, you're going to go sit at your desk at the office for eight hours, don't eat 40 egg whites. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, another way of looking at it is that, uh, you know, if you are going to be engaging in a whole bunch of activities, yeah. you know, uh, then uh, protein is added is because protein protein is one of those is the I mean of the three nutrients which is carbohydrates fats and proteins yeah protein is required for the structural integrity of your body right right so it's, it's required to build your bones you build your, your for your skin for your nails for your hair for your I mean for all the hormones that are generated for all the enzymes that are created for you know uh, for the muscle that you have and so on and so forth right so basically so don't play it, tennis for three hours and eat like a salad it's not going to give your body the Exactly. Uh, the, the, the concrete That's it needs the to. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you compromise on that structural element, you know, it's like it's almost like bricks in a house, right? So if you yeah. don't have adequate amount of bricks, how the hell are you going to make the house? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or the house will start crumbling, you know. Yeah. So uh, so we yeah, you're right. So if you if you're exercising and doing a whole bunch of activities and having just a small little salad with inadequate protein then you you know you're doing a disservice to your body and your protein your muscles will slowly start wasting away and that's not what you want right so you want to have the stimulus which is the exercise adequately supported by the substrate which is a protein which will ensure that your body structure is maintained yeah. okay so uh, so that's the point right so but again it's a very individual point so but but generally speaking we need to prioritize protein yeah? right and then the last point I just want to mention is that we tend to consume way too, too much in terms of added sugars, yeah? mm. whether it's in our, our, our Cokes or our Red Bulls or our, you know, Oof. whatever it is, yeah? Yeah. Uh, fruit juices, I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, fortified juices or liqueurs or, uh, or desserts and, you know, and, and a whole host of other things that we eat. Even your energized waters, like your Gatorades and all are yeah, lethal with sugar, right? Yeah, very high quantities of sugar, correct. Yeah. Right? So all those things are causing, as I said, you know, insulin spikes, uh, sorry, uh, glucose spikes and therefore insulin spikes. Yeah. You know, and, and again, going back to that 80-20 rule, right? So if you want to maintain uh, insulin levels and make your body more sensitive to insulin, then we need to ensure that we're not unnecessarily inundating the body mm. with the requirement for higher levels of insulin. Because as you inundate the body with higher levels of insulin requirement, you have challenges around managing the glucose levels and your body starts to slowly get insensitive to those levels. Yeah. Mm. So, so yeah, so that's the last point, which is, uh, you know, which is sort of reduce the glucose footprint or the sugar footprint or the, especially the added sugar footprint mm. uh, in terms of diet. I mean, it kind of, it kind of ties in with, um, it's kind of like a reminder because you mentioned the sugar thing. So it's kind of like a reminder saying, hey, you have to, it, it doesn't mean that it's on, only cake or biscuits, right? It's also there are other sources which we're unaware of or not knowingly, um, unconsciously putting it into our body, just saying, yeah, but it's juice, it's 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 orange juice, vitamin C, but no, it's got a concentrate dose that's going to spike your glucose, right? No, it, it's it's brilliant, like, um, you know, someone like you sitting here and you've done so much research and someone will just, you know, blindly go to a doctor and get a pill. And I, I think, you know, it's commendable and I, I really... I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to share all this with me and people listening to this episode. And the um, it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy to get through to people's actual um, mind and say, hey, wait a second, uh, through their programming, you know, to just say this is how you have to think about your body. So 
I really hope that, you know, people do take you up um, with your information. People who have listened today, really um, tune into the next time you're in. And also, but they can reach you if they want, because you are doing something which is even more um, to help a widely spread population. So could you just, before we sign off for today, just talk about that dream you have? Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so, you know, so I, as, you know, continuing down this path where I've spoken about, where I firmly believe that blood glucose regulation is a central axis around all metabolic illnesses, right? And if one is able to regulate their blood glucose, then one is able to, you know, significantly reverse uh, challenges around metabolic disease, which then ensures your lifespan and health span is maximized and optimized. Yeah. So, so on that path, I mean, you know, I have, uh, we've, we've started, I've started a, a small little startup and our goal is to uh, essentially try to get uh, people to uh, improve their blood glucose regulation. Mm. And as a consequence, improve their lifespan and their health span. So we have a goal in which, you know, we haven't, so, okay, so to give you a little bit of context on this, um, uh, there, there's, there's a whole bunch of research which has just come out now in terms of measuring your biological age. Yes, yes, the inner um, clock, right. Yeah, right. So, yeah, your, your biological age in which, um, you know, you're able to actually assess how old you're biologically and not chronologically. Chronologically, mm. how many can, uh, candles are there in your birthday cake? Okay. Right. Yeah, which by, but, shouldn't be there, by the way. It's not a cake. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's true. Okay, how many times you've taken a spin around the, the sun? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the point is that that is, uh, you know, your chronological age, but your biological age is actually how old your body is. Right. Um, and there's been a whole bunch of work from this guy called Steve Horvath, who's created this thing called the Horvath Clock, where he looks mm. at uh, DNA methylation. So he looks at uh, metal markers within your DNA to determine, based on that, to determine how old one is, right? The aging and, of the actual yeah, building block of your body. body. Yeah, yeah, the aging of the body. And there's, there's, there's a whole variance around it, um, you know, in terms of how you measure it. Got it. Uh, okay. But it's actually, uh, in my opinion, this guy is a genius. Yeah, he's going to, I mean, this is a, a cornerstone work, which is really going to result in, in a whole bunch of improvements in terms of understanding of what interventions one can do right. to someone's life uh, and thereby reduce their biological age yeah mm. because you can actually measure it yeah that's really now yeah, yeah. and now steve horvath uh, had this person called morgan levine working in his uh, his lab and she's actually come out and, and developed a, you know using some biomarkers in terms of coming up with uh, you know, a similar calculation of biological age, which approximates his calculation of biological age, mm. yeah? uh, which is simple to calculate. So what I do, what we do is we ca we help people, we, we actually calculate somebody's biological age. Then we look at interventions that we are doing uh, in terms of diet, lifestyle, maybe some supplements, exercise, activity, nutrition, sleep, and, you know, a whole bunch of other variables. Mm. Uh, and and then reassess what their age is after a certain period of intervention. Yeah. Oh, okay. And typically, yeah, and typically we are seeing an improvement in biological age by anywhere from five to seven to ten years. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, with with these interventions. Yeah. And typically, these people are in their forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Uh, yeah. Okay. Forties, fifties. You know. Um, and ten, you know, five to seven years is not a joke because it's not a joke, right? It's almost exactly. like you can relive your entire forties again if you're. Exactly, your, that's the point. Yeah? yeah, and this is the point. 
that, you know, uh, I mean, on another day, we can talk about longevity and escape velocity and, you know, no, I'd love to do that because I really think, I mean, I think we can um, do it sooner than later whenever you have yeah. time, but yeah. Yeah, sure. But but in the interim, you know, so there, there are mechanisms to calculate your biological age and these interventions that we're talking about can help you improve your biological age by five to seven years, five years, you know, with some, I mean, concerted, but not crazy interventions you know, we're yeah. not talking about genetic re-engineering or we're not talking about you know crispr cas9 or you know, mm-hmm. any of those things right we're talking about basic stuff that we've been talking about all this time you know sleep, those pointers right? lifestyle diet exactly lifestyle diet. diet stuff right yeah um you know so so the goal is to uh, to actually enhance uh, people's lives by on average five years mm. uh, and to do that with two hundred thousand people right and so uh, my goal is to uh, make a small dent in the universe in which I can contribute 1 million years of incrementally healthy living to humanity. Oh, it's 1 million years. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I thought uh, I got the number wrong. Okay, 200,000 people, five years. Okay. Yeah, right. So, so a million years of healthy living for humanity, uh, which translates into, you know, a whole bunch of improvements in people's health span and lifespan ultimately. Uh, and that's the uh, goal that we're working towards. That is very noble indeed. You know, I mean, I'm not um, saying this lightly because it, 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 it takes a lot to be selfless in this particular aspect, right? So you can, especially with health, like, yeah, I'm healthy, doesn't matter. But yeah. I know personally people who you've helped and I um, I'm so glad that you took the time to talk to me and um, to share all this information with people who've tuned in and to give people a chance that... Um, you know, there is hope besides just popping pills and being uh, subject to a barrage of um, intimidating medical interventions, which you might not need. Of course, no one's dismissing that doctors aren't required or important and mean well. Hospitals also are required. But you can take an, you can take these things into your own hands and you can, as you said, be the CEO of your own body and mind and do to a large extent things which are simple. And I think fundamentally, as we've discussed, don't get the hair, don't get in the way of your body. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, absolutely. But absolutely. Um, lovely. No, I think it's really um, superb that we could chat today. Thank you so much, Raman, for taking the time and for taking all the energy to share what you have. I really appreciate it. And on behalf of everyone listening, um, all the best for the one million years of healthy living, a longer lifespan and a better health span. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much, Sandeep. It was good talking to you. Thanks for your patience and your great questions. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.